Hey guys, what's going on? It's Burn Offerings. How's it going? It's been it's been some weeks. Uh, but yeah, we are uh, we're back. We have our guest co-host with us this week, our buddy Mike. Hello. How's it going, man? Hey, uh, not too bad. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure people listening uh, probably know you at least from at least one of the bands of Hunter that you're in. Oh, I'm not in a hundred. I'm in like ninety-two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yeah, he's uh, he's in killer bands. He's a fucking fan of horror, friend of the show. Yes, and uh, super stoked to have you, dude. Just oh. I am anyway. Oh. So. oh, thank you. I'm super stoked to be here. Actually, yeah, you guys are my boys. Yep. Uh, we're drinking hams and PBR tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I would. Yeah, we can trade off too. Yeah. A little swap. Um, so what's been up, man, uh, Jared? Oh, nothing. Just, uh, I mean, pretty much the same thing with work. We're kind of getting to the point where they want to do reviews and talk about what you've been doing with your life. Oh, so it's I've, that time. I've been trying to come up because you do self-reviews, so I've been trying to come up with shit that I've done. I'm just going to steal shit that I did last year. Gotcha. <laughs> I did it for this year. Okay. But, I mean, pretty much that's been it. I've talked in the last few episodes Still not doing any bands. Was in the talks of doing two different bands, and neither of them took off yet. <laughs> Just keep at it. Yeah, well, one's like uh, uh, Austin from Girth. Mm-hmm. I did. We had that band Barabbas going, and we did like one show, and then stopped doing shows. We talked about getting that back together, which he's down and I'm down, but he's busier now, and I'm kind of in the same way. And then um, Dave, who was in Grim Butchery with me. Me and him started talking about starting another band, kind of in the vein of Grim Butchery, like Japanese style. Like, punk. yeah, that'd be cool. Do it up, man. Make as much music as you can. Make as much anything as you can. Yeah. You have a good time all the time. See, like I was telling you, I was talking about earlier. That's why I kind of got that drum set that I want to learn how to at least do like drums, even if it's sloppy. Because any of these ideas I get, I could start with like the one that's the drums are least important. Where they can be sloppy as shit. I could just fucking record that stuff. For sure. That's the way to go, man. I mean, really, not to get all like weird and meta on it, but uh, I mean, we live in a weird time where you can just put things on the internet and you can do home recordings and you can, I mean, the, the resources are there. You just need to invest the time to learn how to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, my, my old roommate, Jason, you know, Jason, mm-hmm. he, he took the time he learned how to do it and now he makes music on his own he does stuff all the time is he put out like what like 18 albums last year or something like that yeah, i mean it's the animal man stuff yeah no exactly yeah. and it's it's wow. like that's a way to do it yeah you know if you have the knowledge to do it and you have the you know you invest the time to learn to competently operate the programs that's the thing if i could get drums down i have the equipment obviously to record it i could do it i would just have to actually stop being lazy and do it I could probably help you with that <laughs> yeah. if I was so inclined. But um, right. what have you been up to, Mike? Oh, God. Um, well, <laughs> I'm trying to think of things that people would care. Um, well, I, as I was saying before, before we uh, off the record or whatever, I recently became a homeowner. So that's kind of been my... Uh, Congratulations. No, thank you. It's, it's kind of been my main investment so far. It, 
you get in there and it's like, oh God, the work is insurmountable. I mean, it just mm-hmm. never ends. But uh, other than that, I mean, it's cool to have a place of your own, have a base of operations. So, you know, I can do the home recording thing if I so wish and about every fucking stupid idea I've ever had out into the universe. Right on. Then you um, just have your band practices at your house and you don't even have to leave. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, doing that, uh, working a fuck ton, doing the music thing, did the, had two albums, Lords of Death came out, 2017, same thing with Evil Sound Screamers. Killer albums, by the way. Oh, thank uh, you. Yeah, dude, I Lords li- of Death is I haven't just, listened to that, no, oh, it's, honestly. Yeah. I, will, I will admit. Neither have I. here's here's something i'm gonna admit which honestly kind of when i thought about i'm like wow i really haven't i've never listened to a single temple of void song i've just never it's i just never heard one i i mean in a nutshell it's kind of just mid-paced death metal with like heavy doom metal i mean it's a death doom band essentially but i mean it's really mid-paced uh alex does a lot of riff writing for that so it's a lot of like fairly catchy riffs mixed with like weird sort of uk paradise early paradise loss my dying bride sort of death doom stuff oh yeah right down my alley i love see it. every time that like you guys would have a show i couldn't make it for a re- like something was going on where i couldn't make the show mm-hmm. the one that you went to at sanctuary with i think was it beast in the field no no what was uh, that? No, that, that was, was at smalls no. no no it was at the sanctuary oh no it was at the sanctuary that's right I believe that was Graves at Sea. That's yes, it. Yeah. It was Graves at Sea. I can't remember why. I, I can't even keep it together. I wasn't there for some reason. <laughs> I couldn't make it. But I've just never... I never heard you guys. Yeah. Killer. I've heard every other band you're in. Haven't heard them. Yeah. And congratulations on Evil Sound Screamers, by the way. That turned out Woo! phenomenal, man. Uh, that's Killian, Thanks, everybody. Killian. Yeah. <laughs> every episode. Every episode, yep. You just gave um, you like a Flip Wilson woo on that one. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that album is just absolutely killer. It's Ric Flair in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you. I actually, I, I, it's the first full length I did with the band. So I've been kind of stoked. It's been a long time coming, a lot of years in the making. So I'm glad it came out and it's cool. They're good dudes to collaborate with. Real seems like whenever they come up with an idea for that band, they kind of take it to a fucking, they kind of, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty, uh, it's kind of the sum of its parts, you know. Everybody in the band are pretty, pretty major horror fans. Everybody in the band are pretty big music fans, and we all kind of draw from different things. Like Dave was kind of on that whole soundtrack tip before a lot of other guys were, you know. Yeah. Tim, when I first started hanging out with Tim, you know, I talked a lot of music with that dude. We lived together in Lansing for a while and talked a lot of music. I've always been a big horror fan. I've always been a big Doom fan, just metal fan in general, heavy rock, heavy riffs. You know, so it's it's kind of a hodgepodge of different people coming from different areas, and it comes together in sort of a weird, unique way. I, I don't know. I feel weird. I'm, I'm bad about talking about my things that I do. No, it's <laughs> cool. It's, um, it's a killer record. Um, we Jared and I have been spinning it since it came out. Like, yeah. It, we kind of perceived it to be a pretty polarizing record um, for the most part because it is. I, I feel like it's a little more three-dimensional as far as, like, the, the albums have always had a lot of like cool nuance and atmosphere, but it's almost like 
taking it and then just like like it's going into the stratosphere now you know it's just layers upon layers of keyboards and dave mixed it so you've got things like mutilation mansion for example like if you actually listen to it with headphones because it's intended to be like a headphone record and it's also intended to be a high on drugs kind of record yeah. and so hopefully it, it becomes a, a bit of an experience absolutely mutilation mansion the bit before that mm-hmm. right before the song yeah I, every time I listen to it, I try picking up more and more on what's being talked about in the background. And it's sure, fucking badass. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I always wanted to ask you, um, on Evil Sound Screamers, what was your, like, what were you listening to, like, before you recorded that or wrote those riffs, man? Like, Dude, that album was, like, seven years in the making. There's a lot of listening to different things. And, and you know what? That album has gone through so many different directions because it's one of those things where it's like, where do you take it? You know, what, what do you do? How, how are you going to do this? How are you going to make it novel? How are you going to do it in a way where you're at least satisfying yourself, like, artistically and, and, you know, in regards to, like, integrity? And also, you know, still wanting to give people what you want, you know, what they want to hear. Because, you know, it, people aren't fucking dumb. Like, people in the band aren't, aren't sitting back going, like, oh, no, you know, it's not a Metallica situation where you're putting out St. Anger and everybody wants to hear, <laughs> everybody wants to hear Ride the Lightning and you're just completely oblivious to it until you know you know but you know you know that people want to hear which tannic hallucinations but you also want to kind of branch out creativity you know create creative wise and you don't want to just recycle the same ideas so it was kind of a it was kind of a hard thing it was a lot of deciding well what are we going to do it's a lot of filtering of riffs and it's a lot of you know everybody contributed songs so it's like stuff comes from all sorts of different stuff uh like different places like uh mr beastel it's almost like a straight up nod to like macabre 100 percent. when i first heard that you know, the I, thought, I was like those fucking vocals are macabre oh fuck. yeah yeah and so there's like that influence there's a little more like death metal influence like uh cheap gore there's like straight up riffs that draw from like Las exorcisto like white zombie stuff you know stuff that even like a lot of like you know highfalutin or like you know guys with their nose turned up doom dudes or just metal dudes in general like oh that's not cool damn whatever fuck it it's catchy you know it it's is. cool it's 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 about writing good songs you know I'm, I'm more it was more or less we wanted to make an album that we felt was catchy and was good and still stayed true to the old sound but still kind of is building a bridge to be able to do a lot of different things too. Oh, yeah. I feel like there's a lot more of an amplified goblin influence on it. Cool. Not that it's uh, like I, Tim Chagrat just did a interview with decibel where it's like, Oh, well, you know, talk about the God, you know, the God goblin influence and how it doesn't really like apply how it's like, we're not kind of going for the, like the soundtrack vibe it's not like goblin with like some guy screaming over it or anything but it's definitely a more progressive side to the songwriting uh there's definitely a little bit more of an anthemic thing like hard rock halloween it's kind of like the equivalent to the songs from midnight movies that we covered Dude. you know it, it's kind of the equivalent to it's taking it to a territory like i've always wanted to encompass a little bit of a uh like the first couple ozzy records like that cool. sort of dark randy Rhodes era ozzy osborne absolutely you know something like that where catchy it's hook laden but it's still it's dark the guitar playing is in- interesting the instrumentation is interesting Dude, i'm gonna say that hard rock halloween is like your the fucking like beer in hand fist in the air anthem like you guys have on that album oh thank you well yeah it is 
It is, especially for me and Jared, dude. It's like, definitely exciting to have it out. I feel super inspired to keep writing. Um, I The correspondence we have back and forth, there's already ideas brewing for the next one, so hopefully it's not going to be such a long gap between them. It was kind of... There was also sort of the thing where it's like you become a live entity, and when people sort of catch that you're a live entity, it's like... Oh, we'll play my fest. We'll play my fest. Oh, are you guys going to tour? Hit the West Coast. Hit the East Coast. You know, you're going to have some guy being like, hit Sao Paulo. Like, oh, if we can. (laughs) Right, yeah. You know, so it's like you try and satisfy, you know, people that want the demand that people want to see you live. And so then it's from there and then trying to find the time to do things and then doing it and balancing it with other projects, you know, because that all stuff requires commitment too. you know, it's not fair to them to kind of leave those guys hanging, Mm -hmm. you know, and everybody in the band does their own stuff. Dave's got his own solo stuff, you know. Charlie does a million things. He does his stuff with today. Uh, Phil Warren, who did drums on the actual album, uh, he's got his stuff. You know, he's in Europe here soon with Detroit 442. You know? Holy shit. I, actually, I didn't even know Phil played in Detroit 442. Yeah. Cool. All oh, right. On. And doesn't he do – I know he does uh, Detroit Marching Band, isn't he? Mm-hmm. I think that's where I knew him from. I think I went to 442. Well, he did awesome. Rat Finks with Dave way back in the day, like before I even knew Dave. That is a band I – I've seen them a few times, but I never 100% got into them, Rat Finks. Yeah, I had caught them at a show, um, but, like, I've, yeah, back then I didn't know Dave. I didn't really know any, I didn't really know anybody at that point. I used to talk you know. to Guy Fink. Mm-hmm. Like, this was back when I was, like, in my first band, like, a punk band. I'd see him at shows, and me and him would, like, chit-chat, but that was like, probably the only person in that band I knew. Yeah, it was, uh... It was weird. Yeah, long time. I, I didn't really even, like, I didn't really actually start talking and hanging out with Dave until, technically, until I started playing in Acid Witch. Yeah. You know, I mean, I kind of knew who he was, and we had met, you know, a couple times prior, and they had actually recorded uh, some of Witch Tannic in the house that I was living at, that Tim was at in Lansing, too. But it was just kind of one of those things we never really, like, crossed paths prior to that. Oh, yeah. But um, yeah, sweet. Yeah. Uh, I actually had a couple questions for you, if that's cool. Yeah. No. Fire away. Uh, six pack of questions. Six pack of questions. Uh, Want me to throw in like a some a can opening sound effect before this segment? Yeah, we can do that. Perfect. <laughs> there it is. Sample that. I was I was already <laughs> ready for it. So. All right. Cool. Um, <laughs> Dude, what was the first album you ever bought with your own money? The first album I ever bought with my own money. Um, I went to Harmony House in either Westland or Wonderland Mall, and I bought two CDs. I bought Queen's Greatest Hits, and I bought Master of Reality. And I think I was maybe 10 or 11 10 i had to have been 10 okay and that was it <laughs> really okay those were the first two cds i bought with my own money nice. sweet um what's your favorite priest album Ooh, sin after sin sin after sin everybody it's That's the most one. overlooked priest album i think because everybody acknowledges that it's great but nobody really i think takes the time to dive into how good the record is um i might take a minute on Honestly, 70s Priest is like, in my opinion, it's probably one of my favorite bands, I would say. Um, 
But Sin After Sin is kind of its own, it's an island of a record. It's the only album that uh, Simon Phillips drummed on, and he was like 19 years old. He was like a session drummer on it, and he's fucking incredible. Like, you listen to it, especially with session work, because I feel like you just kind of get in pain, and you kind of just go through the motions, and it's like, if this is him just going through the motions, that's... And, I mean, he went on, he he drummed with The Who, and, you know, like, I mean, he's he's got a giant career, you know, beside him as well. But, I mean, it's like, this is something that he was obviously doing as he was starting out, and he was just doing session studio work, and it's great. I mean, they had Les Banks, who was a great drummer, you know, that filled in after him, but, uh, until they got Dave Holland, but, uh... Yeah, and that's one of uh, on another little bit of a digression. That's kind of the big thing that separates seventies and eighties priests to me. Like when they kind of went for the more straightforward sound, and they got Dave. And Dave, in his own right, was a great drummer. Like the shit he did on Trapeze was incredible. But it's like toned down, real straightforward. You know, the living after midnight beat. You know that kind of shit. Right. And it's like, but whereas before, I feel like it really made it a lot more interesting having the more intricate and having the more like progressive drumming behind it. And Simon Phillips, the, the drumming on that, it's the best Priest record as far as like drum performance, bar none. Uh, the shit on there, like the middle part to center, like you sit down. When we were doing, uh, I did a shitty, for people that have no clue, I did a shitty Priest cover band called Call for the Priest Dang. back in the day. We were we marketed ourselves as the most drunken Judas Priest cover band. And we sat down and we like <laughs> learned the stuff and we did almost exclusively 70s priests. And when we were like dissecting that stuff, Sean, our drummer from Harbinger and, mm-hmm. and now currently in Sauron, it's like he and I were jamming that out and trying to figure out that middle part. And it's like the stuff just that you don't pick up on how like just the little things that are thrown in there, like the little splashes or like just like the way I mean, he's hitting double bass and stuff in 1977. True story. You know, it's like that was the only kind of shit that you heard in like fusion albums like, you know, Alphonse Muzan and like Billy Cobham records and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, uh, I'm going off on a tangent on this, but Sin After Sin is incredible. I think Raw Deal is probably one of the best pre songs. I think the lyrics were super ahead of its time. Um, I Dissonant Aggressor. I mean, that's that's straight up proto metal. That's 1977, know. you know? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Sinner's a great song. Like, every song on that's really good. Even the ballads are really good. Yeah. I Overall, I'd say bar none best Priest record. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else I can say on it. I can get behind that. Yeah, me too, man. That's killer. Uh, what's your favorite beer, dude? My favorite beer? I, you know, it's kind of funny. I'm a, I'm a connoisseur of craft and crap beer alike. I appreciate beer in general. Um, personally, I don't know. I'll drink PBR, I'll drink hams, I'll drink old style, I'll drink black label like that. You know, I'm a I'm a real Stroh's, I'll drink, you know, union working man beer for sure. Cool. I, you know, but every once in a while I, I will treat myself to something good, but for the most part I'm I'm a PBR guy, you know, I do most of my drinking at the bar. Okay. Cool. Oh, yeah. Um out of the like major franchise horror, what what's your favorite? Like so like out of like Halloween, Friday Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, just out of the three. Um, I'm gonna say maybe Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. Okay. I just remember Freddy Krueger being such an iconic figure in like my my childhood growing up. You know, it's funny too. Like 
my father saved like a ton of drawings I did when I was a kid. I used to draw all the time when I was a kid. And it's really funny because I was looking through it and there's like all these just super crude drawings of Freddy Krueger. Like where you just drew like a human being with like really crude, you know, like a circle for the face and like an upside down triangle for the nose. And it's got the claw hand and the striped sweater. But like for the burn, you just scribbled all over his skin with like blue ballpoint pen. Nice. (laughs) <laughs> like a hat it looks like the arby's hat <laughs> cool okay nightmare on elm street um i like it too because it's just it's completely ridiculous they they started getting the more way. it went on oh yeah they just like, well the first one's really good because it's a legit like scary horror film absolutely and then part two is completely ridiculous and there's just all sorts of like weird like homoerotic undertones in that movie and it, it, I that movie's super fun to watch I love that movie Me like too. where he's, great he gets abducted like he's in the gym with his gym teacher and he's getting whipped at and there's balls flying <laughs> yeah. the gym teacher's fucking tied yeah. up against the wall. <laughs> And I love the fact that Freddy has, like, this weird pitch-shifted voice in that movie. Like, he sounds frightening as shit. Yeah. Like, that part where he's just like, I've got the brains. He, like, rips his skull open. You just see the brain exposed. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's bar none. He's the scariest Freddy out of all the movies. Part two, I think. Part two. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, I don't know how to ask this, but, like, what's the most underrated band to you? Like, what band doesn't get, like the recognition that it should past or present oh that's so hard there's so many underrated bands i know oh can you give me a second to think on this one (laughs) yeah absolutely um i don't know i i'm gonna say sauron's the most underrated band how's that one sauron from michigan i kind of actually agree with that yeah they're they're pretty underrated dude I mean, like, Teutonic Thrash since 2004. I mean, obviously, Teutonic Thrash existed decades prior to that. But, I mean, you're talking about a bunch of three random, just average dudes from Lansing, Michigan, playing, like, playing a ton of shit that was, nowadays, is super cool. But they were doing it, you know, way before it was cool. You know, at that point in that early 2000s, late 90s, where metal was just at a lull and everything kind of just sucked and nobody was really into it. it it was in that total waning you know in the ebb and flow of heavy metal popularity you know they were kind of keeping keeping the torch alive i still say reaper and sauron are the two most important bands in my making music in michigan as far as like in my in my generation of going to shows and seeing things i think those two were kind of bridged the scenes between detroit and lansing and i think that yeah because of them we have what we have today which is still small, but it's a pretty potent scene. It is, and we're pretty lucky. Yeah. Here. Yeah, we. So that'll be my answer without thinking too hard on it. Cool. Me okay. and you talk about that about like the how kind of lucky we are with how the Detroit scene is with bands. Like we have a lot of fucking like top tier bands that some of them get recognition, some of them don't. And it's but like musically, these are fucking great bands who are hundred percent like focused on what they are. Right. Well, it's funny being on the road and uh, not that I'm like on the road all the time, but uh, being on the road and you like talk to people and things like that. And they'll be like, yeah, man, I'm thinking about moving to Detroit. I want to get a band going, you know, really? I like what you guys are doing. I'm like, well, good luck because you're going to move down there and everybody plays in like five bands. And, you know, it's, it's like, like all the bands that are sharing. It's numbers. like everything is done by like 30 people. <laughs> so, right. you know, it's a small like 
exclusively. Yeah, it's like, come on in, you know, the more the merrier, but, you know, good luck if you're coming in here hoping that you're going to, like, hop in on something or you're going to grab some guy that isn't already committed to a bunch of different stuff, you know, it's probably not going to happen. Right. Yeah. It's about hard to afford to happen. Right. Uh, and the last one was uh, your biggest influence, like, musically. Or, uh, like, what made you pick up a guitar? Queen, Black Sabbath, Judas Priest. <laughs> That's a pretty uh, killer trio, man. I mean, it, it, without thinking too hard on it, you know, I I don't know. I'm I'm a I'm a nerd. Like I'm a total music nerd. I will say that I I'm a record nerd. I'm a, just a just being into music. Under like I mean, I studied it. I went to college. You know, I I, I have a minor in music. And, but uh, you know, so. I love discovering new things and I love, but the stuff that really, you know, got me into playing guitar, I love Brian May. I loved the orchestration. I love just like the over the top of like the, especially early 70s Queen, that kind of stuff to me. I, I've talked about this before with other people where it's like, and then from there, Black Sabbath kind of taught me to love good riffs and, you know, just heavy music and, you know, and they're in their own right, they're a really diverse band too, you know, delving into even the albums that, kind of go under the radar like a lot of people I, I feel like tony martin's kind of getting a little bit more of a do these days i feel like people are kind of taking more notice to those albums i feel like those were really overlooked like there's a lot of good stuff happening on those there's a lot of great stuff i mean uh, the dio sabbath albums are kind of my favorite some of my favorite stuff with dio on it yeah um you know and then obviously you know i i like even technical ecstasy and never say die me too i think never say die is a super diverse album uh, some guy i saw on facebook of all things uh one of the guys from this band uh steel bearing hand super killer band they're from texas right. and uh they're they're like bolt thrower and crust like mixed together but okay, they already won me over yeah me yeah too. <laughs> but uh that dude was talking about how good never say die was and i'm like dude i fucking love that album like johnny blade dude junior's eyes is the mm -hmm. jam like junior's eyes sounds like a classic sabbath song but like yeah like all the weird synth shit happening in johnny blade like it's cool it's still interesting it's heavy but it doesn't sound like anything else they have that air dance song on there where like don airy the dude that's in like deep purple now he's another session dude that's been in a billion things but uh like that guy did the keys on that and he's just like running the place on it like yeah. you know that's like a super weird progressive side to the band that you never really saw before or at least never saw in that capacity um all right, I'm I'm digressing. What were we? What was the original question here? I'm getting off task. Uh, your biggest influence musically? Yeah. So, so oh yeah, Black Sabbath, obviously. So you got in there, and then yeah, Judas Priest. Judas Priest. That's that's heavy metal right there. I it mean, you, you can't find heavy. another band that's heavy metal personified. I mean, that's a band that started off as a rock band. Like you watch. Uh, I'm sure you guys saw the, like the old gray whistle test footage. They used to have it on that Judas Priest electric guy DVD. I know that's where I first saw it. Like if you look, Glenn Tipton's wearing a fucking can shirt. Like those guys are all prog dorks. Like <laughs> yeah. you can tell. And it's like, so they wrote like really interesting progressive music. And then they kind of did the heavy metal thing. And you know, and it, 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 the, the leather and the spikes and stuff, I love it. it. It comes from, like, you know, just total, like, gay sexual subculture. Totally. And, and, it, and it's awesome. And it, it's just, like, did it, took it, owned it, and it, it, it built what heavy metal is. And they're they're yeah. one of the few bands, they owned it their entire career. Like, True story. okay, this is what people want from us. This is what we're labeled as. Okay, this is what we are. You know, and, and that, you know, I appreciate that integrity and that longevity. You know, even... 
I'll even stand by. I've been kind of on a Ripper Owens uh, tip. I was listening to that Winner's Bane album cool. not too long ago. I think that guy's a fantastic vocalist. I feel like he got a really bad rap Did being we, in that band. Yeah. Did Jugulator's we, not that Jugulator bad. Jugulator is great. Jugulator title it. track's really good. Cathedral Spires, uh, Blood Red Skies. Dude, did we miss it, or is he coming? Ripper Owens was coming to Token Lounge. Oh, man. Yeah. Did we miss it, or is he I don't know. I can't remember either. I don't know. I know Blaze Bailey was coming, too. But oh, wait, no. I know that's, Crazy Town's coming. Maybe that's okay. what I'm thinking of. Well, I'm thinking of Blaze Bailey. No, but um, Ripper Owens. Blaze Bailey did come through. Yeah, okay, so we missed that, but Rip, so something with Ripper Owens Yeah. that I, I saw. Remember. Yeah, maybe. And Ripper Owens, dude, the, uh, the pre-song on Bride of Chucky. That's um, bloodstained or oh yeah bloodstained yeah. yeah that that's on jugulator too yeah uh, that's when I that was the first priest song I ever heard just to let you guys know I was like fourteen or something like that and I was like oh shit Judas Priest rules I had yeah. no idea of the back catalog you know but uh, I think cool. the first priest I heard was fucking breaking the law yeah it was probably on Beavis and Butthead. You and like a million other people, yeah, so, like you know, that's like whatever. <laughs> and honestly, I wasn't even a huge fan of Priest for the longest time until um, I was at a party at my friend's house, and I crashed on his couch. Like they're all partying in the basement, I went and like laid down on the couch upstairs, and VH1 Classics was on, and the fucking video for uh, Free Will Burning came on, and I was like, holy shit, who is this? I was like, what album is this on? That's how I found out what album it was on. And then it was like, that was my hunt. Like, anytime I went to a record store, I was like flipping through looking for that. Gotta and I find Defenders. I forgot the fucking name of the album and I forgot the name of the song because like, I was like mainly in the punk. That's all I cared about was like yeah. fucking punk shit. And then as soon as I found it, that was the first Priest album I have. Now at this point, I have almost, I have like from Sin After Sin up until, uh, I don't actually don't even know the order of all the albums. But I have, what a priest! Yeah, Rockarola. Yeah, yeah. Start and then what was the new one called? Firepower. Firepower. Yeah. yeah. But I got from like sin after sin to like at least the mid '80s stuff. I think maybe the one right before Turbo. I don't have Turbo. No, the one before Turbo you have. Yeah, so I don't have you up to Turbo, and I just became like a shoes fucking. I really like Priest, and it's actually he's the one that got me into a lot of it. Steve, mm-hmm. he's like, you need to hear List Priest then. Oh man, because yeah. for the longest time I was only spinning fucking Defenders of the Faith. Yeah, and then I Defender, found. I mean, the Sentinel is probably the quintessential '80s Priest song. I was gonna say, if there's one song out of '80s Priest that I would say is the best song, it is probably the Sentinel. The Sentinel is awesome. It's really good. I found Sin After Sin at the end of the street for like five bucks. It's a great album. Absolutely it's amazing. I don't know. I don't know if you know that I like it or not. I didn't just like have like a <laughs> ten minute dissertation on that shit. Like we're not even gonna have time to talk about phantasm because this we're talking about priests. We did this jackass here to come in and do the show, and he just sat there and talked about Simon Phillips, and he talked about sin after sin. Dude, there are fucking episodes we have of this thing that we do, and it's like ninety percent of the episode we're just talking music, and then we're like, oh, by the way, this movie. Yeah. So that's why I feel like we're in this weird like spot where it's like certain horror fans don't like us because we don't talk enough horror. And then the people who may listen to us for like music or whatever, like, oh, well, they don't talk enough about music most episodes. So it's like we're in this weird fucking like spot. 
Um, well, we're not horror enough for the horror fans. I don't know if you're aware of this, but it it is your podcast, so you can talk about whatever the fuck Dude, you want. That's what we do. <laughs> that's what we do. Yeah. I mean, but but like I I I half assly try to push it out to people to get more people to listen to it, and I just feel like if I push it into more horror groups, they're just like, ugh, too much music, and I only listen to Seven Dust. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you always got that too. Yeah. But, uh, well, if well, they, I just told them that Crazy Town was coming to the token, so they, they can at least get something out of it. Yeah, that's fucking terrible. Um, thanks for answering my questions, man. Uh, you're the first guest we've had on here, and uh, yeah, th- that was pretty cool. Went well with Went the well. questions. Yeah, thank you. Good. I, I, I'm glad that I didn't sound like a bumbling idiot. No, that's, that's, not at all. <laughs> I'm just gonna, success. I'm going to save the sample of you cracking the beer in the mic, and we're going to use that for every fucking yes, episode we there have you guests. Go. Yes. <laughs> Immortalized. Yep. Um, what's, uh, I mean, either Steve or Mike, what have you guys been watching lately? Go ahead, Mike. Phantasm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I literally yeah I watched uh, I watched Oblivion today. Um, that was my viewing. Uh, prior to that, I don't know. Steve, you could go. Give me a second. I gotta think of what I've got going <laughs> okay. on. Okay. Uh, shit, dude. I've watched a ton of movies, dude. Nightmare City, Burial Ground, the tape that you sold me. Hell uh, yeah. Yeah, fucking still watching that all the time. Thank you. Oh, I was going to bring, uh, speaking of Burial Ground, uh, one of the things I was going to bring up, I might as well bring it up now because otherwise I'm going to forget. Michael in the later uh, Phantasm movies kind of looks like Peter Bark. A little bit. Especially when he's got that, <laughs> that black long sleeve yeah. on. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. A little bit in there. I was kind of looking at that. I was like, when she opens up her shirt and like the, the like, Phantasm balls are there with her boobs. I was like, oh man, Mike already got to her, bit him off, and just stuck some balls in there. Yeah, <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Claw smells of death. Uh, let's see what uh, My Bloody Valentine I watched the other day. Um, yeah, I mean, that's all I can really think. I mean, I you know, I, I got my Chuck Norris movies and my uh, Van Damme movies that I always watch and my Steven Seagal movies that I always watch. But uh, yeah, you were like you were like the the dad who like you have your like collections of like Steven Seagal films, like that's your like Sunday afternoon. It is, it is. <laughs> Usually after I do my podcast on Saturday night and I tip a few, the next day if depending on how many I tip, I'm on the couch watching Van Damme movies for like a solid eight <laughs> hours. So, um. Yeah, I'm proud of my uh, Van Damme collection. I watched uh, I watched this movie the other day, which is a movie that I picked up randomly somewhere, probably at Gibraltar Trade Center of some, you know, R.I.P. Yeah, it's a movie called The Final Sanction, starring Ted Pryor and uh, Robert Zadar. Oh shit! Sweet. Yeah, I won't spoil it for you, but it was pretty ridiculous. So basically, Ted Pryor and Robert Zadar have to kill each other they have to like fight each other and they're like put into sort of you know a battleground but the battleground is just like regular civilization they have a bunch of ridiculous weapons and it's it's totally as we used to call in our circle of friends it's it's a total power time movie which is you know the kind of movie that you you need to drink hams as you're currently doing or ingest some sort of you know narcotic of choice and you know (laughs) 
and watch really, really, really shitty movies. Speaking of shitty movies, I was blown away that you actually knew about Undefeatable. Dude, Undefeatable. You were the is only amazing. person I've ever met that knew that movie. Yeah, Cynthia Roth, Rothrock. And yes. who's that other dude? He kind of looks like Peter North. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I can't think of his name. Don't, you know, I, right now, it's the steel trap is shut and I can't pull any information out. But uh, yeah, dude, that movie. That movie is ridiculous. That end fight is ridiculous. It's just a sort of like. All right. Well, he lost an eye, and uh, he's still going. Yeah. I, if that was me, I would probably be crying. In with the, the one eye that I had left, would have tears coming out of yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know that when YouTube first launched, that was the most viewed video? I did not know that. Yes. It became like. Well, good. I'm glad that it got its due. Because yeah. That, that movie's last kind scene. of. That movie's kind of uh, amazing. Yeah. It is. It's it's up there. Uh, you brought that up, dude. The that one guy, day and I was like, that guy's got that Mark Storsey mullet thing going on, like the curly thing, the killer guy. He looks like he's in Crocus. It's awesome, <laughs> dude. I was telling this to Steve. If you want a fucking full Crocus fucking discography, just go to Encore Records in Ann Arbor. Oh hell yeah, dude! Like you flip through like their metal sections, like Crocus, 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 Crocus. Oh man, Encore used to be the shit. I bought a lot of good shit from there back in the day. But yeah, you go in there and it's a lot of Crocus. It's a lot of Axe. I was about to say axe too, dude. They got a shit ton um, of axe. Kick axe and uh, some saga records. I haven't um, seen those in a minute. I'm trying to think what else is in there. It's, had, it's been a long time since they've I've had been some up scorpions there. lately. Yeah, usually you can end up with a with a sick copy of you know Love at First Sting or something. Yeah, that was like the only one I ever owned. What's uh, the their first their first album? The first Scorpions record, yeah. Lonesome Crow. They've had copies of that. Hell yeah. And I've passed it up both times, and I don't know why. I don't own it. Actually, and I, I bought love my, that album. I bought my copy of Sin After Sin at Encore. Nice. I've gotten almost... I've gotten actually a good handful of my priests from there, and uh, at least three Maiden albums from there. If you if you take your time and you do some digging, because it's... It's very weirdly classified in that store. Like, there's stuff that you'll find in other sections that you'd be like, well, I would expect this to be in the metal section, but it's not. You know, I found a lot of, like, weird shit in there. You know, even stuff that isn't even on album, like the CDs. There's a ton of, like, weird, rare CDs. I'm I'm not too cool for CDs. Yeah, I still do most of my listening in the car, so, you know. Yeah. Right on. Um... I've been watching. So you guys hogged up all that time. <laughs> uh, I watched Cat in the Brain. Sweet. Uh, I didn't watch that uh, all that long ago either. I watched that too. I love that movie, man. Yeah, it's good. Uh, the Black Cat. Which is another Fulci. Which, who was it? Uh, Cat's Eye. Cat's the Musical. Cat's the Musical. <laughs> yeah, no, no more Cats. I think that was the last Cat one. But Black Cat, what the, they're going to get Peter Cushing to be in it. But once he found out that Fulci did a bunch of like gory horror films, he like backed out because he was like, "I don't want to be a part of that." Really? Yeah. Oh wow. So they got instead the dude who played the uh, the paraplegic husband in Clockwork Orange. Oh, right on. Yeah. yeah. And then I watched uh, House by the Cemetery and then Deep Red. Damn, Italian like a motherfucker. This Italian thing. like a motherfucker. Fulci like a motherfucker. Minus you know Deep Red. I did text you last night. I watched Let Sleeping Corpses Lie. 
I love that movie. Me too. Yeah. I watched that last night. So zombies triggered by what is it vibrations? Yeah, <laughs> something. Yeah, that dude. That dude's uh, the main character in that movie. He he looks like he could be in like a cool hipster band these days for sure. That guy's right. got that guy's got a beautiful beard and some you know <laughs> nice flowing hair. You're all the same on the lot of you. Like put that guy in a sword T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> What happened to that band? What the fuck happened to that band? Anyway, the sword? Yeah. Dude, I I'm not I saw them. They opened for Opeth. I thought they were all right. Um, Their early stuff was like decent, but like I'm I'm not going to I don't dislike it. I'm going to kind of plead ignorant on it. Uh I saw them play the Belmont years ago and I I don't know. I It was all right. <laughs> I mean, memory is kind of fuzzy at this point, but shit. Uh, even like, I was surprised. Even Johnny, like mm-hmm. their first album, because he was flipping through my records, and he was like, "Dude, this fucking album." He's like, "People don't understand how good this album is." Yeah, Age of Winners, and dude. I'm like, "Holy shit, you actually like something by the Sword?" He's like, "Yeah, man." He's like, "The guitar playing on this album alone." Yeah, I fiddling around in my YouTube. I, I get to I get to watch some YouTube at work now. Don't tell my boss. Um, <laughs> they actually covered Bambi by Prince. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, they don't sing it like Prince, you know, which is a bit disappointing. But whatever, I got props for anybody that wants to cover that song. That's our rules, so. <laughs> right? But uh, uh, let's get into uh, our movie. We're gonna go over bands first. We can do that. We got a formula, Steve. I'm sorry, dude. I'm a little hey, befuddled. Man, <laughs> Rules were made to be broken. They are. <laughs> I made notes. I wrote them all down. Okay. What have you been jamming? All right. I'll go first, I guess, since I'm, yeah. since I'm most vocal about it. Uh, actually, uh, Gruesome Stuff Relish just released like a week ago, their new album. It's called Cannibalized. Basically, if, uh, are they from Spain? Uh, if you like old, pretty much like old school gore grind, and this album's fucking pissed. Like actually, I like this album more than the last stuff they put out. The last couple, it just feels like there's more to it. The last couple have kind of made me like, eh, kind of yawn a bit. It just seemed like flat. Gotcha. Um, Dead Friends, Trashy from Pizza High Five, I and Couple Skate, yada yada yada. I've been listening to that a few times, and it's it's fucking pissed. One man project. He's kind of been doing it on his own, but it's it has like a grind punk vibe to it. Uh, it's really fucking good. Um, I was jamming No Life Till Leather, the Metallica fucking the demo demo. Hell yeah, I love that because he's got the he's got like the diamond head like vocals. The oh, I was listening there. to it under the uh, uh, Dave Amal mm-hmm. cut of it, but it's I mean it's still it's just it basically Dave Amal's No Life Till Leather plus the Mega Force fucking demos. Mm-hmm. And I think the funnest part of that was reading the YouTube comments because I was listening to it at work. Oh, nice. And it's just basically like a bunch of like Dave Mustaine like super fanboys trying to like cut into Metallica, and then like Metallica of like fanboys coming in to be like, "Oh, you guys just fucking like you're just Mustaine fanboys." Like, blah blah blah. He only wrote like two songs for the band. And it's like, okay, you guys need to settle down because the Dave Mustaine dudes are saying he wrote songs into fucking Master of Puppets, like, and then the well, he is credited for he's it. for yeah. for a couple, but they're kind of like there was a couple dudes saying like, "Oh well." He basically wrote the whole fucking album. 
Master of Puppets? Yeah. He was he had been out of the band for how many years at that point? Yeah. And no, then, I mean, the, I mean, if you just read the writing credits, you can see that there's Mustaine riffs that are used, mm-hmm. you know, well, well beyond his departure in the band. But uh, and then somebody pointed out, which I was, mean, I've always been a Megadeth over Metallica guy myself, but uh, I don't know. I, I still think that Metallica's got a little bit more of the longevity on their side. I feel this is okay. I've had this talk, this talk with Steve before too. When Mustaine left, he was like pissed off and he wanted to prove himself to be he was better than Metallica. But when he by doing that, I feel he also led himself down the same fucking path as Metallica, which was a horrible path to go down. Because like he matched for matched fucking albums. So when Metallica released their fucking like black album, Mustaine kind of wrote an album to match the black album. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> Count out to extinction. Yeah, and it's like what do you Which brings me to my question really quick. What's your cutoff for Megadeth? Um, my cutoff for Megadeth is cryptic writings. Get this guy a beer. <laughs> but I also have, I also have, I mean, what did cryptic writings come out? Like 1997? Yep. And I'm dating myself a little bit right now. I mean, 1997, I was 7th grade. So that's like right around, I was kind of be, I was, you know in my heavy metal discovering heavy metal phase you know i I started getting into heavy metal around their sixth seventh grade and uh yeah that was like the new album because i mean that was the first album they did since euthanasia and euthanasia was 1994 which was a little bit before my you know discovering heavy metal days Mm -hmm. uh i actually think that cryptic writings is slightly better than euthanasia i would agree with you uh but cryptic writings okay so harbinger uh, a few years back, played the Alehorn of Power Fest, and so we had the long drive down from Detroit to Chicago, and we decided to jam Cryptic Writings and, and listen to it with some new year, new ears, you know, now that we're all, you know, old men. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it definitely didn't age well, but, dude, the Disintegrators is still a pretty ripping song, and uh, the last couple she-wolf. tracks on that She-Wolf, uh, what's the other one, FFF, Fight for Freedom or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, like, those songs are pretty good. I mean, it also has, like, Secret Place on it, or uh, what's the, oh, God, what's the one, like, Mastermind on there. So uh, there, there's some definite stinkers on there, but Trust is really good. Yeah, uh, Trust good. was, uh, from what I gather, Trust was a leftover song from uh, Countdown. Oh, was it? Yeah, so, uh, supposedly. And what's the other one that's off of that? Uh, is it... Not jealous again. What's almost honest? Almost honest. Yeah. Okay. That uh, that uh, that song's pretty good. But yeah, trust uh, supposedly was one that got scrapped from uh, the countdown sessions, gotcha. and then they re recorded it for cryptic writings. Okay. So yeah, that's my cutoff. I mean, I I still have some nostalgic, uh, you know nostalgic love for that record i guess yeah me and my little brother still jam cryptic writings like when i'm at my mom's house yeah like yeah we youtube cryptic writings oh yeah like, you know i i just remember playing it for him when i was like 14 and he was like 11 because mm-hmm. <laughs> it was the new megadeth record kind of a thing yeah and it was like oh shit man you know like but uh, it's still got Marty Friedman on it too. So it, it, it's actually got. I mean, it's got Nick Menza and, and it's yeah. got Dave on it too, or Dave and David. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know what I mean? It, it's still that classic era. I mean, it's still the Rust in Peace. You know, 
band. So it's still got Marty Friedman's solos on there, and I love Marty Friedman <clears> as a guitar player, <throat> so I'll just jizz all over the place listening to his guitar playing. Yeah, Friedman, yeah, that was a good lineup that they had for... Uh, oh, no, absolutely. It was it was definitely the most solid lineup that they had, although I'm sure there's some guys listening that'd be like, what the fuck, Gar Samuelson and Chris Poland. Yeah, Chris Poland. I mean, sure. no no disrespect, obviously. I mean, I still I still love Killing is my business and P-Cells and... But, uh, yeah, Friedman. Friedman's, like, probably top five favorite guitar players, so really? I, I like anything that dude does. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's... He, that dude shreds for sure. Um... But yeah, go. Oh, okay. Yeah, a few more after that. Um, listen to the Mortician demo. Ah, because on it, it's weirdly enough, like it seems like in the grind scene for whatever reason, people are just now all of a sudden discovering Mortician. And it's, it's the like, new thing. Really, it's fucking it's weird. It's thing. really fucking weird because I guess somebody was making a bunch of these fucking memes, but Mortician, like putting in a picture of the dude from uh. What's that? The or like choppers? Orange County choppers, yeah. and then you just put the mortician logo. It's supposed to be Will Romer. Yeah, <laughs> fucking uh, put a. There's a bunch of pictures of people, and it's like mortician. So it's all these fucking memes. So I guess now all of a sudden people are like discovering mortician. Whatever, so, man. Yeah, which mortician's sweet. They, I've always liked mortician. Me too. But I decided that instead of going back and listening to the same albums I've always listened to, I've rarely ever listened to the demo. So I've been jamming the demo at work. Is that Mortal Massacre, or was the mm. demo before Mortal Massacre? I think Massacre? the demo was before Mortal Massacre. Okay, I think. I've never heard it. It was just like, I want to say it was just a fucking uh, Mortician 1990 demo number one. Holy fuck. Yeah. Never heard it. It's fucking good. Which, that one led me to a band that I was jamming a couple times throughout the week called Sentenced. Uh, like the... Uh, death metal band from Finland? Yeah. Yeah, the early stuff. I, I figured you would probably know them. Yeah, more than anybody. Early sentence is really good. I mean, they kind of lose me after you know, after the first record mostly. But uh, yeah, like they kind of got into more like melodic metal, like very very standard, like the denotation of like what Century Media Records was at the time. You know, yeah. they kind of became one of those bands. But it's uh, kind of like Brutal Truth did that too. They lost me after Extreme Conditions. No way, man. Oh, man. The, the albums after that, I still... You like Sounds of the Animal Kingdom? I do. I've got a shirt from that. Well, the shirt would be cool to own, but I mean, I, they kind of... <laughs> no, the shirt will The fun. shirt would be sweet, but I don't know about I the mean, I, I, I would rock that rare. shirt, but I would... Dude, a, a turbo <laughs> shirt would be great, but, you know, I just can't listen to that album, man. No, I don't, I, I don't know. I just... Uh, I don't know. Oh, I, no, I like Sounds of the Animal Kingdom. I, it's definitely, it's a weird album in context of what they, uh, you know, what they did prior. But, uh, no, that's, it's a good album. Actually, a little bit of a tidbit on that I learned. Uh, the dude that's on the cover, the, like, kind of Arnold Schwarzenegger guy, mm-hmm. rumor has it, you know, don't quote me on this, I could be wrong, but uh, I had heard through the grapevine that that was actually, like, the the postal worker that used to deliver to the relapse warehouse. <laughs> and they were just sort of like, hey, man, you want to be on an album cover? So really? they just like he was like making the rounds and he was like, yeah, sure. So they like took him in a room and like had him put on a suit and shit and like took a picture of him. And then they like put on his postal gear again and it just went on his route. That's amazing. <laughs> that is fucking amazing. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, um, last one I listened to a uh, band from Sweden, punk band called Paranoid. I've been jamming their release. Uh, God damn it. <laughs> 
Satyagraha. Okay. I'm going to say I pronounced that right. We're just going to go with that. All right. I'm not going to contest you on that. Yeah, don't even do it. <laughs> they're, they're like a like hardcore, like raw punk band. They kind of got like some like metal influence in there. Uh, I was actually okay. reading a post by like one of the dudes who like he was like he's big into. Uh, damn it! I'm th- I, I'm blanking out of the band every time I drink. Uh, uh, fucking this is embarrassing. No, it's embarrassing that I'm blanking on the band because as soon as I say who was in this band, you guys are gonna be like, "You fucking serious?" The Beatles. Stevie Nicks was in this band. Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac. Fleetwood Mac. Oh, Mac before Stevie wow. Nicks. No, Fleetwood Mac before Stevie Nicks. He was like, he posted a picture of like the the Green Man Alicia album. Oh, saying yeah, how that's yeah. Before, like, a, oh, like, oh yeah, prior like yeah. Peter Green era. Yeah. yeah, he was saying how that's like a huge influence on him and how the la- their last album he wanted uh, this one bit to kind of have like this weird fucking like f- old Fleetwood Mac feel to it. Okay, but yeah, they're fucking killer. Swedish fucking if you like noisy raw punk. What is the name of this again? The uh, Paranoid. Oh, Paranoid. Paranoid's the name of the band. Oh, okay. But they have a bunch of releases. But the one I was listening to was that fucking like word salad that I just said. Okay, Sadiagra. I thought that. All right, I, I trailed yeah. off. That yeah, was the. Uh, I thought that was the name of another band you were listening. No, to. that was the release that I was jamming. The band's called Paranoid. The band's called Paranoid. Yeah, it's not a very hashtagable name. <laughs> not really at all. No. <laughs> but if you type in like Paranoid. Punk, you'll find them easily. And it doesn't help that every time they do a release, they do the release with the basically what paranoid looks like in Japanese characters. <laughs> so that's even hard to search. Oh, yeah. nice. Um, I don't know what like, you guys been jamming. It's like trying to tag Mark on Facebook. That's annoying. <laughs> Zach's figured out how to do it. Oh boy. I can't tag him. I just fucking go to his page. <laughs> Um, me, uh, I've been jamming drug problem. Been, I saw you posted that either on uh, on the gram or on the face space. Yeah, uh, the self titled, um, kind of a weird sludgy power violence grind punk band. Yeah, from featuring members of Meth Drinker, which is one of my favorite bands for sure. Dude, when you found that out, the text I got from you, you're like, dude. Did you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. I was pretty stoned. I was like, my mind was blown. Do okay. Um, I do have a question. Can you actually drink meth? I'm not like I, I'm not gonna say I dabble too much in it. <laughs> not I much of it. I'm not much of a. I turn down. I'm not much of an amphetamine guy. Like, can you actually drink it? Can you get that in a format to drink? I like, can you get like a meth shake? You get like a, shake. Could you melt it? Yeah. Is it like, can you melt, melt like it down? Those Adwala bottles or something, like those drought bottles, the big expensive glass ones, which is like <laughs> cherry flavored meth. That would be cool. Um, I don't know, but have you ever heard Meth Drinker? I have heard Meth Drinker a long time ago. Okay, thoughts? I, I thought it was all right. I, I mean, it, I'm going to be on there and some guy's going to be like, oh, dude, this guy from Ass was such a bad suck. It's, it's not that. It's just one of those things where it's like, I heard it. I thought it was cool. I just, I don't own it or anything like that. So it's like one of those things where it's like if I stumble upon it, I might pick it up. But, you know, as, as currently it does not sit in my collection. Well, I know you're a big Nuth Grush fan. I do like Nuth Grush. And meth drinkers like in the same vein as Nuth Grush. Yeah, it, it's, that's the whole thing is like that scene, there's a lot of stuff that just kind of, it's... 
I don't want to say it's like samey, but it's just it's a lot of similar influence, similar style, similar whatever, you know. So it's like I remember hearing it and being like, yeah, it sounds. If it's akin to Newthrush, I do like Newthrush. Yeah, uh, I'm a huge fan of Newthrush. Uh, everything they've ever put out is good. Um, the split they did with Corrupted was fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, but I've been jamming. Uh, I don't know. Uh, just a hodgepodge of different stuff, man. I bounce all all over the place, but uh, drug problem was one of them. I'm trying to think of. Uh, I was jamming Priest the other day. You liked that better mm-hmm. better by you better than me. I fucking love Spooky that. Tooth. Yeah. yeah. Um, the song those guys supposedly shot themselves listening to. True story. Yeah, because yeah. they were backtracking on the album. <laughs> do it. On the, do it. Do what? Get yeah. <laughs> um. Let's see. I've been jamming uh, Maiden, you know, Maiden, like later Maiden. I mean, how later Maiden are we talking? Like Seventh Son. Seventh Son. Seventh Son's a great album. Yeah. Actually, one of my favorite Maiden albums is uh, Somewhere in Time. I a lot of people. It, it's another album that I think that it gets kind of overlooked because it's sandwiched. You know, it's it, between Power Slave and Seventh Son. You know, all, you, all the progressive dudes love Seventh Son, and all the classic Maiden fans. You know, so many people herald Power Slave as like the quintessential Maiden album. Yeah, and so it's like somewhere in time gets overlooked. Wasted Years is such a fantastic song. Absolutely. You know, I mean, dude, I want to go on record and saying from the conversations I've had with people over the past like years, anything Diano Diano is on seems to get a fucking overlooked. Really. Uh, I, I well, that's quintessential. I come across so albums. many people who like just skip over those hundred percent. They just they're just like, eh. that's insane. That's insane. They just fucking write them off as not being able to fucking yeah hang they, out they, with they, cooler people. They man. were no. Well, tell you people, <laughs> it's, not, it's not people I hang out with. That's the thing. The people I hang out Good. with are like, <laughs> but I get in the conversation with people, and like, whether it's online or in person, and it's like I find out they like Maiden, and it's like. Some people think like he couldn't hold his own. He like he had trouble keeping up with the band. Some people think like, oh well, he was. It wasn't where Maiden should have been. He was kind of like holding them back, and they needed Bruce Dickinson to take him where they needed to be. Bruce Dickinson like, is a fantastic vocalist, and he's probably the best frontman in the business. If you want to talk about just having sheer energy and being able to kind of control an arena-sized crowd, I mean, that guy... Yeah, I get that. I understand that. I mean, he's... I agree. He kind of sets the standard. <laughs> but uh, Diano, I think, had a fantastic voice. I think that he was perfect for those records. I, and I wish we had one more Diano record. I wish there was one more Maiden. I'm sure Diano wishes he had one more Diano record. <laughs> I would have to agree with that. Yeah, but I did. I have noticed. I've I've noticed that if if the person I'm talking to comes from more of a punk background, they are more inclined to like the first two records Absolutely. more than the rest. If I they agree. come from any other background, that's where they write those first two records off, and they're like Dickinson. <laughs> Yeah, see that, like, growing up being, like, a budding musician, which is really weird conflicting with the Queen thing, because, like I said, I, I was uh, such a huge Queen fan growing up, and Queen is a very polished band for the most part. It's very orchestrated, it's very over-the-top, there's a lot of, like, layers of things going on, 
But, like, I've always been really attracted to, like, raw music and stuff like that. Like, growing up, I was a big, like, rock fan. And I always hated bands like Boston and stuff like that. Boston, oh, they're, they're just so polished. And Toto, oh, this, is, this doesn't rock. You know, they, I, I'm talking about being a kid, of course. Um, and uh, that was kind of the thing when I first uh, when I first got into Maiden, because I kind of had this weird, like, ass-backwards sort of development in music. Like, I got really into death metal like in a, at, at like kind of an earlier age than I should have. I got into death metal before I got familiar with Iron Maiden and uh, when I first heard Iron Maiden I was like I was expecting this to be way heavier and I'm, I'm sure now they, somebody's going to listen to this and be like this guy fucking sucks but you know I, you learn the error of your ways but it wasn't until Diano Maiden because I remember listening through the catalog because uh, my buddy Brandon who's still like a good friend of mine to this day um he was a big maidenhead when we were in high school, and you know, before I could drive a car, I was like a freshman in high school and stuff. And I had heard Maiden prior to that, and I was like, ah, I don't really like Maiden. But he's like, oh, you gotta hear this, and he put on the Diano records, and I was like, this is cool. I can get into this. I I like his voice. I like the riffs on this. This rocks. You know, it's it's raw sounding. It's you know, mm-hmm. and from there, you know, then you kind of come back and you go okay, well, now I kind of get this, and now I sort of understand where this is coming from, and now it's over here, and now it's like I fucking love Iron Maiden. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I came from the same. I, I was into death metal before Maiden, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden one day I discovered Iron Maiden, and I just became obsessed for like a whole fucking two years of my life, listening to nothing but Maiden. It was right when... uh. Brave New World came out, mm-hmm. and Dickinson got back in the band, and they reissued all their back catalog on like vintage-looking CDs. Oh yeah, yeah, Remember yeah. That? The remastered the early ones. Are you talking about the the ones where like the spines like made the the Eddie from the first album cover, or are you talking about the ones that were like the slimline ones? The slim ones that look like vinyl records, but they were CDs. Okay, yeah. See, I don't have those. I have the one. Uh, most of mine, I still have like some of the original ones, but like most of mine, I have are the the repressed ones that they made where it's like the spine makes, you know, a picture of Eddie. Oh, oh yeah. okay. Yeah, I just became obsessed with Iron Maiden. And at first glance, you're like, Iron Maiden, this has to be like a really heavy band. And then you hear it, and it's not. Dude, what got me in the Maiden, I was at, uh, I don't know if you you might know him. Yeah. Carlos, he plays in like Spick of It All. He played Spick of It All. He was in Influenza as a guitar player. I don't know if you know him or not. I don't know him personally, yeah. but I think I... I mean, he kind of, like, he kind of, like, dipped out of the scene, like, completely. But I was at his house, and he put on... He had, like, a couple Maiden songs that he liked, and he put on fucking Phantom of the Opera. And I was like, whoa, what the fuck is this? Dude, that was the song. <laughs> that was the song for me. You know, it's like when, when the Di- when the Diano Maiden came on, it was like Phantom of the Opera. I was like, yep, this is it. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I those like fucking, this. like, the, the galloping fucking bass lines and all that. Like, oh, my God. Like, and that's when I fucking found the album that was on, obviously. Yeah. That's when I fucking, all the fucking first one, found Killers. Fucking got huge into that one. And then it was like after that, like, I kind of, like, baby step tiptoed into like the shit that dickinson did because i was like still like holding true to fucking diana like it's not super raw it's not as raw sounding like not even diana was like super raw but it had more of like a street like street oh yeah no it, it's For way sure. more street so it's like when you got into like dickinson stuff it's like what the fuck is this man and i've always made a joke about kind of like making like a meme about like like fucking diana was like a fucking like leather 
fucking like metal dude, and then Nick Dickinson would be like the stereotypical like British schoolboy, like rich pampered British schoolboy. Like that's fucking like c- c- kind of like the difference in my mind, jokingly between the two. Like one of them seems like musically anyway. You listen to it, like, one has more street cred than. Yeah, no, I I get what you're saying on it. Yeah, my first exposure to Maiden was The X Factor, which, listening back now, isn't that bad of an album. I I feel like Blaze, while he was the wrong vocalist for Maiden, I understand why they picked him. I mean, he was their friend. I I believe he played on the soccer team with them and everything. Um, But, yeah, like that probably the worst point to start off with your Iron Maiden. And it was one of those things where it's like, uh, do you guys remember like old guitar magazines and things like that? They would have the advertisements for like Columbia House and like BMG mm-hmm. Music and stuff like that. I can't remember what it was either one of those two, but I ended up doing that. And so you get like the, you know, a billion CDs for one penny or whatever. And I ended up picking out like, and, and this was in my like budding heavy metal phase. So I'm just like, I want that, 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 that. And I bought some like crazy ass shit with it. I bought the bleeding. I bought and all that. And I got the X Factor <laughs> and all this other stuff. <laughs> and, they, you know, because this is like, what, I, like 1997 or something like that, 96. Uh, it may have even been earlier than that. But it was just like, I remember I got the, when did the X Factor come out? 95 yeah something like it, it that was the latest album at the time and i bought it and i was just like i don't know if i like this did that have the clansman on it no that's off of virtual 11 oh okay okay because that song's kind of cool no clansman's good Fu- uh Future Real. Future Real's good. I'm trying to think. Is it is that on X Factor or not? Unfortunately, I sold it, and I don't have it anymore. Man on the Edge. Yeah. but uh, I remember all that shit, dude. I mean, I went through my, you know, mm-hmm. trying to get into the Blaze Bailey stuff, man, and it's it's kind of tough. It's in its own. It's got its own merits and stuff like that. I, I, just, I just don't think he kind of suffers the Ripper Owens thing, like we were saying. You know, it, people are incredibly critical and people are very very harsh and he just i mean you you almost feel bad for the guy like it's like oh okay hey you're gonna replace bruce dickinson like arguably like i said before like arguably like one of the best front man front men in heavy metal history like you're gonna you're gonna replace this guy good luck (laughs) Yeah. yeah it's like the dude who got fucking shit thrown at him trying to uh who was the replacement guitar player in fucking um, Jake E. Lee from J- Randy Rhodes? Yeah, he plays Randy Rhodes and gets shit thrown. Was in. that Jake E. Lee that replaced Randy Rhodes? Um, not directly, but yeah, it, it, it like sequentially on the albums, yes. Yeah, because yeah, I mean, even they did like "Speak of the Devil" that had that Brad Gillis dude from Night Ranger on there. That's a super underrated uh, live album too, I think. Because "Speak of the Devil," yeah, because they're doing like Sabbath covers on it, and that was like I think they did the Sabbath covers because it was literally like, "Fuck, I got to learn these songs." <laughs> um, what have you been jamming, dude? Uh, as far as me, oh god, um, new shit. Uh, I really dig that Freeways demo. I, I don't know if you guys have I seen have anything not. or had on the tip on that. Uh-uh. Um, it's from Canada. It's just a three-song demo. It's on cassette. Heavy Chains put it out. We get a lot of Heavy Chain shit with the Dystopian Dogs uh, stuff. We mm-hmm. do a lot of trades with those guys. We have pretty good rapport with him. And okay. so uh, we got a lot of that shit in. And I usually try and anything that we get in, I try and snag a copy for myself and kind of give a good listen. And that freeways demo is really good. It's it's a 
nice mix of a lot of like 70s stuff i hear a lot of people say like oh this is budgie this is this i don't really hear a whole lot of that uh i do hear a lot of thin lizzie uh the guy's vocals are really reminiscent of like early klaus mine like scorpions kind of thing okay um the guitar playing is very thin lizzie it's it's definitely like i said it's a mixture of a lot of like good intelligent like late 70s rock and roll like mid to late 70s rock and roll oh yeah you know and it's not like sabbath worship or you know anything like that like a lot of like retro bands trying to do the 70s thing like it's pretty honestly like if i could ideally do something i i would love to do something in that vein you know a because that's like my my top 10 shit you know like the more progressive queen shit like judas priest 70s shit uh rainbow you know the like like that kind of stuff like the later 70s stuff where it's like that bridge between rock and like what heavy metal was like you know the bridge between just being a standard rock band and being like something of the new wave of british heavy metal movement you know and they kind of capture that i think pretty well so i've been jamming that a lot uh facelift i've been listening to the alice in chains record the first one i i love that record alice in chains was kind of like when you know you first start you first start getting into music or at least it was for me you know contemporary music at the time they were like one of the first bands i can say that i latched on to and uh i really like facelift for some reason it's uh it's like a really dark hair metal record it is they didn't quite know what Uh they wanted to be yet yeah and it fits into like multiple yeah and uh, we die young like god what a heavy album kickoff killer like yeah. it's like it, i want sorrow, it man. it's like i'll get it on there and i'll like re-listen to it three times because it's only like two minutes long right it's just <laughs> like i want more of this give me more of this and then skip over man in the box <laughs> oh always yeah i like man in the box but it's just one of those things where i feel like on on albums like that like actual albums that were like pivotal in your development of like music taste and things like that you get so burnt out on the hits even with like stuff like iron maiden i'm always just like oh number of the beast all right now go on to the next yeah we're like that too it's like like, i'll listen to it if it's on if some guy's playing it at the bar i mean i'm i've got a handful of pbrs under my belt you know at that point i'm gonna sing along of course but uh see yeah it's like listening at home it's like i'm I'm at the point where it's like all right bring me the deep cuts i want to hear the stuff that you know you never hear anywhere else we can only listen to the second side of paranoid (laughs) 100 percent, dude black side with paranoid b-side i I skipped i skipped the a side at this point because i'm like i can't do it yeah I I can agree with that. Paranoid's still a fantastic record, but yeah, you get so burnt out on on just the hits. The, the hits. fucking A sides all like everything that became a single. Like for the most part, was there one? Is there one or two that didn't become Planet a single? Caravan was the only. Yeah, song. I was going to say yeah. that's the only one that I I don't think gets radio play. No, but uh, dude, I was at work and somebody was listening to that album on YouTube. Like, yeah, Damien said to check out blah blah blah. blah. I'm like, oh yeah, I I listened to it. It's a good album. I was like, I only listen to the B side. And they're like, what do you mean B-side? I'm like, oh, okay, well, I buy records, <laughs> and there's two sides, an A and a B. The A-side has all the radio shit for the most part because this album was, like, fucking popular. The B-side is all the shit that wasn't on the radio, and it's the better side. And they are like, oh, okay, and just went back to work. I'm like, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Um what else you been jam- anything uh cool like uh <laughs> anything cool <laughs> <laughs> well that shit sucks you've been playing i mean <laughs> you've been something cool. aside, aside from what you've um, uh i don't know um 
Facelift is a great record, by the way. Yeah. Um, it is. Oh, I know. I'm just busting your balls. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Uh, what else have I been jamming lately? Um, good God, there's like a billion things in my car right now, and I can't even think of what it was. Uh, I listened to Opeth's Damnation a lot today. It was just such a dreary day, and that's kind of like my go-to. Like it's it's kind of snowing outside, and it's gray, and it sucks, and it's whatever. It's good driving. So I I did a lot of driving today at work, so I was like, all right, I'm gonna throw this on. So that was pretty cool. Um, I uh, I was in the car with Allie. Allie wanted to listen to uh, Astro Creep 2000, the White Zombie album. So cool. it was. Awesome. I put that on, and I was like, "Man, I still know all these words." Because that's another one. Like we were talking about Alice in Chains being like a, a budding music fan band oh, contemporary. Yeah. That was another one. That was what 1995. 95. Right? Yeah, Astro they, Creep. they were like one of the first bands I ever saw too. You know, like fucking twelve. <laughs> yeah, I remember buying that out of a bargain bin. I'm just being pumped, dude. There's there's been nights where me and you were like shit housed at your apartment, and you put that on, and I'm just like, I I remember still digging the fuck out of it. Like fuck yeah, I don't know if it's just probably mainly because drunk and it's just ingrained in my head from being a kid. Like you kind of yeah. get those things like you listen to when you're younger. So when you listen to them when you're older, you just automatically still like them. There's still a weird spark. And glisten in my eye when the first electric head kicks in. <laughs> like, when the first track of that album mm-hmm. kicks in, it just brings back this, like, nostalgic, overwhelming feeling, man, of, like, being 12 years old or yeah. whatever and being, like, holy fuck, White Zombie rules, dude, you know? like Dude, I remember drawing, because uh, all his artwork inside that fucking album cover, like, the clown with the fucking, like... Sock condom and the fucking hook hand. The yeah. clown with the hook hand. The clown with like the, the sock condom with the gun. Slow on his shirt or whatever. The fucking was what it the eye zombie one, which like the dude, the dude wearing like the rabbit head. Mm-hmm. I remember drawing that, and I think I I even like did all the fucking like lyrics on the side of it. And I came back from school one day, and it was gone out of my room. My fucking parents took it. Oh damn! <laughs> they started like. Just that, that was around the time they started confiscating shit that I did that they just did not approve of. Oh, so, like, that, drawings I drew or fucking, like, music I listened that to. That kind of censorship. No wonder you're a derelict. <laughs> fucking right. <laughs> and it's... Well, it's funny. They sent me to a Catholic high school. Actually, I went to a Catholic fucking uh, middle school and grade school, too. But I went to a Catholic high school. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, junior year of high school. I was, like, just kind of bullshitting with my parents and they're like you would have been in less trouble if we sent you to a public school and i'm like yeah because the catholic school has stupid rules that have zero logic behind them and i was like and that's the thing that i fight against because there's no fucking logic behind this and they're like oh we know that's why you get detentions <laughs> like you wouldn't have that if you were in a public school but we didn't know that beforehand yeah i can 100 percent like uh, with you on that mm-hmm. but yeah that's funny uh, I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, first few Yes albums I had. I really liked self-titled Yes album. That's probably like my all-time kind of feel-good record. You know, you put that on like pre-Steve Howe, uh, fragile Yes album, Close to the Edge. 
I kind of had a little bit of a yes kick for a few days. I was just kind of going through that. That is killer, dude. Um, Roundabout, such a killer song, dude. Oh, I love that shit. That Winter's Bane record we were talking about earlier, that yeah. it's uh, it's from like 1993. It's just kind of a standard power metal album from Akron, Ohio. It's got, you know, it's kind of got a heavy priest influence and stuff on it. So it's like you kind of, you could kind of be like okay the logical progression comes here you know and and his vocals on it are great i still think he's a fantastic vocalist that just kind of unfortunately had the the problem of joining a bunch of bands at kind of their creative low points you know it's not really his fault but he got blamed you know (laughs) but yeah his performance on it it's a concept album so like the lyrics are really awkward and kind of wonky Sometimes, you know, because it's like trying to tell a story. So I feel like sometimes when you're trying to like narrate something, it doesn't necessarily come off like very like musically sound. So, like, you know, it's like because he's trying to like tell you names and it'll like come in and it'll be like, well, Cohagen. And it, it just sounds like super, <laughs> like every song's got to say like Cohagen a million times. <laughs> Right on. All right. You know what? We haven't even gotten into Phantasm yet, so that's about it. We'll we'll do that for the cutoff of what I've been jamming. <laughs> All right, cool. Have you been jamming anything? He already went I through. I already went through. Did you? I did. Am I that drunk at this point? I'm going to go grab us another round. Uh, <laughs> but okay, yeah, uh, we're going to go into fucking... Oh, wait, yeah, you went into get drug uh-huh. problem and shit. Before we do, I just want to plug my friend Bob... Uh, oh yeah, has yeah, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Has a funeral doom project called Somber. It's on Bandcamp, and the album is called Bewail the Plot. It's really good. Um, atmospheric funeral doom. I trust that is good because of the fact to Bob is super meticulous of what he actually puts out. He is very, very much a perfectionist. He's a perfectionist, and he super he super guards what he does. He does. Like He's, he doesn't want it released if. He himself doesn't like it. Yeah. And with him being the perfectionist that he is, like he's he's actually more of a perfectionist than I've ever actually seen. Yeah. I've seen some perfectionists. Yeah. Bob is different. Bob will do something that's fucking amazing and he'll get praised for it and he'll never release it. No. Nope. Cause he's like, Nope, it's not going out. This right. sucks. Like, what? Yeah. Um So I uh I I have yet to listen to it, but I'm I wholeheartedly believe that it is probably fucking amazing it's good it's really good for a one-man project it's um it's got a good feel it's got a good flow and it's a concept album and uh weren't you uh gonna be part of that in some regard yeah i think it's gonna evolve into me doing vocals for it because it's all instrumentals at this point yeah but what i would like to do is record new material and leave bewail the plot where it's at makes sense you know what i mean as a first instrumental funeral doom album and then me and him can write together in the same vein of like what it is and i could put some uh we're aiming for like guttural vocals kind of kind of thing like ahab style like kind of like low guttural drawn out yeah early ahab stuff like that um makes sense yeah yeah i just wanted to plug that because he he's really talented and uh for a one-man project, it's pretty. It's pretty fucking good, man. So to check it out. Yeah, it's on Bandcamp. It's called Somber, and the album's called Bewail the Plot, dude. It's good. <laughs> 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 I 
Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, man, I think uh, I do remember you talking about the shit you jammed. So now we'll go into what we're going to talk about movie-wise. Oh, wait, hold on. Need to control. It, it's not a recent jam, but it was at least a couple months ago. We were talking about Brutal Truth earlier. Mm-hmm. I highly suggest going back and revisiting that. Okay. It is a, That's the first album, I think, that... Uh, uh, what's his name? Rich Hoek or Rick? Uh, the drummer that uh, currently plays with him. But that was the first song that he was on. I, rumor has it, uh, my old my old roommate was telling me about it. I I guess he learned that whole album in like a month or something like that. Are you serious? Like came in and just learned it in a month and then just went and recorded it. But yeah, man, go it. It's got cool like weird sludgy parts on it. It's a, I think you'll dig it. I think you would actually really like it. You might. Sounds of the Animal Kingdom, you know, I can understand why a lot of people don't really get on that album too much. But Need to Control, I actually think is the best Brutal Truth record. So okay. I give it another listen. On my recommendation. You don't have cool. to. But All right. I'm all over it, dude. Yeah. Need to Control. Saw that no. band in Chicago. Yeah. The fucking guitar player they had looks like fucking... Uh, Sideshow Bob. Sideshow Bob. No, that's the bass player. Yeah, the Hell bass player. yeah. And the singers were in a fucking Stetson. Yes. They were still, they were pretty fucking awesome. And I was so sleep deprived, I'm still convinced that there was somebody following me. Could have been. I've told you this. I've told you this, right? I was there. I know you were there, but I told you, but you weren't there with me when I noticed this. No. But I know I told you this. Okay, so we made this drive there after I got off of work. I, I got off work at 6 a.m., 12 hour shift, packed my bags. We drive to Chicago. For Nazem, was supposed to be Nazem's last show, and it was with Brutal Truth. They was hoping he would drop dead, which that's who I was super excited for. Oh, I thought you guys for. drove to see the band Chicago. No, that would have been awesome too. <laughs> but no, it was <laughs> Drop Dead was supposed to play too. They didn't play, so I was bummed out because that was who I really wanted to see. But we get there, I'm like sleep deprived. I maybe took like a 30 minute nap on the way there. We're at the show, I'm like falling asleep. And I stumble like forward, sleeping, falling up, like standing up. And I look over. And there's a dude in a full-on suit at a grind show, basically, just looking at me. Sleep-deprived me is like, who the fuck is this guy? It's freaking me out. Like, I try to get away from him. Go outside, the same thing happens. I look over, the same fucking dude's over in the like side of the sidewalk just staring at me. I'm convinced some dude's fucking following me in a fucking suit. <laughs> Yeah. Clark Kent at the <laughs> like I'm 100 percent convinced the like show. there's like some guy following me. <laughs> like, what is going on? He's he's sent from your he's like resent from the future. He's like your yuppie future self. It's like fucking Half Life Two, and it's like the dude you. that you kind of see like in aspects in the suit, like just watching you to make sure you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, it was fucking good weird. Times. It was a weird weekend. Was, yeah. Just over there. Just making sure you're living the Totino's lifestyle, man. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, well, fucking um, pizza boy. Before we get into Phantasm, I seen this guy eat a fucking cheese pizza. Oh my god, I forgot about that part of it. This is the guy in the suit. No, this is no, me. this is Jared. We get back to the house we were staying at, and this is where I caught my second wind, kind of. Mm-hmm. And uh, they ordered pizzas. They were called like stadium pizzas. They were this big. They were like oval shaped, so it looked like a football stadium. And they ordered, like, one cheese and then, like, some pepperonis. And I'm eating the cheese one. And all of a sudden, somebody's like, dude, what the, there's, like, no cheese left. Who all had cheese pizza? And nobody raised their hand but me. 
I ate the entire fucking thing to myself. <laughs> and we nicknamed it the McAllister. So a cheese pizza is now known as a McAllister. He took down a whole 24-inch McAllister himself. That was pretty. I was not even mad. I was impressed. <laughs> I don't remember doing it. I can only imagine that made a pretty difficult turd. It probably did. <laughs> that fucking weekend was a blur. Yeah, don't remember much of it. Oh, my God. No. Good times, though. 100% good times. Um, I'm taking this one. Do it up. All right. But, yeah, now we'll get into the movies. Phantasm. That's what we're talking about. We don't know how many we're going to cover. <laughs> we're already like two hours. Phantasm. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have to edit this bad boy down. We edit shit. I seriously, we edit nothing. All right. <laughs> I'll cut out like, there's been times where we had to stop because of like technical shit or like killing had to go outside, which that can take anywhere from like a minute to 20 mm-hmm. if he wants to just chill. Other than that, we don't edit anything. No. So everything sticks. I'll even leave my... I've left arguments between me and Steve where in the end, I come out sounding like a fucking idiot. And I'm just like, fuck it, I'm leaving it. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) All right, so Phantasm. Phantasm. I'm a fan. We're all fans of this franchise. I would think. At least the... I'd say at least the very first one. Fans of Phantasm. Found it fantastic. We're fantastically fans of the Phantasm movie. Fantastical. I could add. I was thinking fantasy. Uh, it, no, <laughs> it, it all. Uh, you sure you're not gonna edit this out? No, it's just not getting edited out. All good things. Um. Yeah. I. I really tried to catch up on it because I hadn't seen a few of these in quite a while. And in fact, uh, we were talking about. I still haven't seen the new one. I think I'm the only one at this table who have seen this. Who has seen the new one? Yeah, I have. Is it the same people? Is uh, Angus Scrim still in it? Yep, that was he made it before he died. Man, they brought back the original Jody and the original Mike. So they brought Baldwin back as Mike. Nice, Reg. Yep, dude played Reg. Uh, okay, he's back. I haven't IMDb'd this or anything like that. I really haven't done my research, so I feel like I'm semi ill prepared. Has Reggie done anything else? I mean, aside from the student film stuff that they all did prior to that, where he's the teacher or whatever. What's the name of that? Oh, um, oh, the, wait, the movie that, uh, yeah, the movie Casarelli Casarelli did? did prior to it. Oh, oh, I can't I'm, remember I'm an the name of it. I can't think of it. I, I, do, I can picture the cover. I'm picture, I've seen it. I, can, I, I, I remember seen the cover it being of the movie on TV. right now. You know what? God damn I'm looking it. it up right now. I know, me too, because I know the movie. Well, I know it's a student film, and Reggie plays their teacher in it. I, I've seen it before. I, I mean, I saw it as a kid, but, uh, but has he actually done anything else, or is kind of his only claim to fame doing the Phantasm movies? I'm going to say probably just the Phantasm Damn. movie. It's hard as love. It's pissing me off that I can't remember the name. Because I I can picture the cover 100%. <laughs> okay, okay. It's, it, God damn it. I forgot he did a few more. Did John dies at the end and all that fun stuff. Kenny and Company. Kenny and Company. There we go. News to me. You never seen Kenny? Yeah. I mean, it's good. It's actually not a bad movie. Okay. But, no, I remember it being yeah. good. And if, if you, I think if you have the Phantasm DVDs, they fucking they put a fucking the trailer for Kenny and Company in, in the beginning. <laughs> really. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's actually a pretty good fucking trailer. Okay. So the first one, 
is cinematic history. This fucking movie, man. I'll talk to people about this movie, especially people who really aren't like hardcore horror fans who's like have an appreciation for this movie, and they're like, I couldn't make heads and tails of what's going on in that fucking movie. It seems to be fucking like it's jumping back and forth. Like we, what the hell's going on in this movie? Yeah, it's, pretty much. Yeah, that's it's. I mean, there's a story there, but there's like scenes where it's like you kind of like kind of cut those scenes out and you kind of get the main story, but. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually really funny because I remember I I grew up loving Phantasm. That was like one of those movies that my dad like. I remember being a kid, like probably a kid way too young to be watching this kind of shit. Oh yeah, and, you know, he'd be like, "Oh, tits are on the screen, cover your eyes," you know, kind of thing. And I remember like really liking Phantasm because I remember my dad really liked the movie, and. Uh, and so I watched it when I was really young and whatnot, and I I still like regard it as one of my favorite horror movies. But I remember like part three. We were talking about part three briefly when we were at uh, New Dodge or whatever, mm-hmm. and it's like God, what a clusterfuck of a movie and all this random shit and things like that. But going back and watching it, all the movies are kind of a cluster in that regard. Like there's mm-hmm. so much random crap that goes on. It's like mm-hmm. wait. Why? Why is this guy here? Like, you know, he, he, the first movie, it's like the the weird fly creature that like transforms out of his finger, the tall man's finger, and yeah. a you know, just all this like random stuff. Like, what's the scene where Jody picks up the girl in the bar, and it's like they're playing the disco version of the score, and you know, it's just like all the just stuff that happens in there where it's like, you know, he visits the the girl, the site. Uh, Michael visits the girl, the psychic, uh, the psychic's granddaughter, and then she goes and she presumably dies, and mm-hmm. nothing comes of it. You know? Well, what's right. funny is this movie was supposed to be three hours long originally. Whoa! Originally, this fucking film was three hours long. Okay, well that di- would explain. I just watched Oblivion, and like half of Oblivion is just footage that was cut from that the is, original. Yeah, that's where the the, the footage went. They yeah. cut it, and they used a lot of it in floor. <laughs> Because, yeah, this movie, it was like three hours long, and Cascarelli was like, yeah, I don't think this is going to hold people's interests. <laughs> they started cutting shit. So Oblivion was like the cutting? They they added, they used a lot of the scenes. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So it's, it's almost like... I've never seen Oblivion. It's almost it, like flashback scenes. Almost like, well, I mean, really, look at it. Like, every fucking movie, I can't remember five starts this way, but every goddamn movie starts with, like, an explanation about yeah. what's going on. Hey, so it's you, because they waited ten years between almost exactly. every goddamn film. All right, you're you're jumping in amidst a real wild ride. We're gonna have to like kind of give you some backstory. Yeah. Here. All right. Before he gets pulled through this mirror, there's there's this crazy stuff that happens. Like yeah, like two and three, I think start with the same like backstory. Mm-hmm. They show the same scene of fucking like tall man gripping him through the fucking mirror. And it's like yeah, the they're fighting through the house, story. and Reggie's kicking yeah. the little Jawa dude down the stairs. So you're watching two and three, and it's like, or wait, are these the fucking same movies? <laughs> <laughs> and, and actually, in a in a sense, there's a lot of similarities between two and three. Mm-hmm. It's, it's I always thought that was fucking weird about this fucking series. It's such a like a weird fucking like because of the way the stories are with the movies. It's 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 fucking. It's weird. I'm just gonna go with weird. It's weird. It's fucking all over the map. Nothing like super like is cohesive. It's just like there's this, and then it kind of goes into this, and then there's this scene, and now you're left with like what the fuck's going on, and then by the end of it you're like I think I get it, 
and the next movie comes out, and they got to kind of because they waited ten years, they got to explain what's going on, and now we're chasing the tall man, and then some weird fucking shit happens some more. <laughs> and the other thing that really kind of works as a detriment to it is uh, because they wait ten years, everybody looks so significantly older than like they did in the prior movie. I did well, notice that. Well, yeah, it, uh, it's like the tall man's trying to play the tall man before he's the tall man, and he's like a billion years old. Yeah. Like Angus Scrim's just you know Mesozoic at this point. Well, know? part two was uh, who released it? Was it Paramount? Paramount or MGM? Oh God! Picked up I, part, I, MGM. I don't even know. MGM picked up part two. I know the it's reason, the only one in the franchise that like didn't get a DVD release until like way. Later. I had yeah. When I got it, I had to get the fucking Australian release, and uh, I had to hack my DVD player to watch it. Damn! But that's a lot of commitment for that movie. Commitment, <laughs> shit. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> well, part two. I like part two. Part two is, I think, is a decent sequel. But it was after part oh, two. Man, I had to sit of, on this bed of nails to listen to. Cold Lake, <laughs> but I like Cold Lake, by the way. But um, I actually forgot where I was going. Oh, MGM, so they picked it up. But the reason Mike changed is because they they wanted to use a working actor, quote unquote, a working actor, and a Alec Baldwin or the fuck his name is, who played Mike in the first one, wasn't a like I'm gonna say like SAG licensed actor, mm-hmm. so. MGM wanted a licensed actor, a working actor, so they recast him as that. And then that movie—that's kind of why they because there's like more explosions because they wanted like a more like we're a major company. This is what we want. This is this is what <laughs> we need. Way more yeah. hearses blowing up. Yeah, well, it's, it's almost like this is what people want to see at movies now. So we got to like make it more like amped up. Well, it, I don't think it did as well as they were hoping. No, no. I, so they didn't. They didn't pick up the third one. But they said, if you make a third one, we'll distribute it for you. Mm-hmm. So that's when the third one comes out, and it's like all the original people come back for it. So it's like they did the switch out, and was which was initially because fucking MGM was like, well, we don't fucking want him because he's not he's not like a union actor who's working right now. Yeah. Right. So so who do they fucking cast? They cast Andy Sensitive Ponytail Man from Singles. <laughs> 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 Absolutely. Because I remember going back, and I, I the last time I watched it, you know, because I, I remember seeing it as a kid and stuff like that, and uh, I, I hadn't watched it in a long, long time, and I went back, and I'm like, that's fucking Sensitive Ponytail Man. <laughs> like, I don't know if you guys have seen the movie Singles. I own it. Okay, there you go. It's a great movie, actually. It I, is. I actually really, I really dig it. I'll watch it. Um, but day. yeah, it 100% is that same guy. I never even put two and two together, dude. That my mind is blown. I know. Reggie's trying to hook up, and he's calling him on the answering machine, being like, I really don't think you should trust this person. <laughs> Dude, another thing I heard about this movie, which, I mean, I don't think I did enough research on this to determine if it was fact. I don't even know if you can determine if this is fucking fact, because it's kind of a, a big thing, is um, according to legend... Motorhead's song Ace of Spades came from this movie. From Phantasm or Phantasm 2? Oh, no, yeah. Phantasm. Well, that wouldn't I have been Phantasm 2. I forgot we rolled in the No, two. I was going to say, no, it wouldn't but have been Phantasm 2. Because we're talking. Yeah, Phantasm 2 is like 1988. Yeah. I was like, th- that's why I was confused. I was like, wait a second. This Phantasm. Is- I forgot we jumped. We kind of. Yeah, Phantasm was what, 79? 79, yeah. 79, 79, yeah. So, Phantasm 
saying kind of has claim to Ace of Spades because Lemmy was at a viewing in New York and said that Mike's head looked like the Ace of Spades or looked like a spade. And then he started the rest of the fucking viewing. He was jotting down lyrics. And then the year later, Ace of Spades came out. That is a very, very, very grasping correlation. I, I would question that. <laughs> that. No, my whole thing is that, too, because, like, uh, can you really fucking prove this? Uh, you know, I think when he wrote Ace of Spades, he was working in the garden, and he was he was working with a spade. And, <laughs> and uh, he was listening to some Kiss, and, uh, you know, he was just like, I really like Ace, and I, I got this spade, Ace of Spades. <laughs> I I will entertain that there is some potential that that could be fact, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say that that's gonna be a Snopes lookup, dude. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm leaving it that too. I'm just saying it's kind of, it's it's out there, and I haven't seen anybody really argue it. But I think it's kind of because how the fuck do you argue that? Because you hundred you, you can't prove it one way or the other, especially at this point. Well, yeah, I was gonna say he's dead. <laughs> yeah. Like, what was he gonna say? So, that can't ask anybody in that. Should have been in the Lemmy movie. That's what it should have been in. Should have been asked in the Lemmy movie when he's there sitting with his son in his apartment. They should have been like, "We're gonna tie to here." <laughs> Why did you raise the spades? He was in the garden. <laughs> he was listening to Kiss. That's pretty fucking awesome. Uh, well, he was a big fan of Ace. He was a big fan of Ace. He was listening to he was listening to Fraley's Comet. <laughs> Even though I think that stuff came out after Ace of Spades. Yeah, it did. Absolutely. <laughs> it's fucking jamming Love Gun. There you go. It all comes full circle. Phantasm 2 influenced Ace of Spades. <laughs> Phantasm, <laughs> Ace of Spades. Nine years after it was recorded. <laughs> so, yeah, we're kind of like going into like one and two, right? Because, I mean, I don't know. What do you, you think? We, we all agree that one. One is the best. I actually think one is a really entertaining movie. I think that it's good all around. I I love it. I really, I I love it. It's one of my favorite horror movies. I even think part two is okay. I mean, aside from the bad rap it gets because they didn't cast uh, whatever his name was, Michael Baldwin. Yeah. Um, but it's still like a pretty entertaining story. I love that scene. I remember as a kid where they they bust in, they start making all the weapons. He's sawing off the shotguns, and they're like oh, yeah. duct taping the oh, the like sweet. cans together to make the flamethrower and stuff like that. I thought that was awesome. It was like the the opening to the Operation Wolf game, you know, where he's like sticking the blade in his boot, and he's got the putting the bullet, you know, belt around his shoulder. Or that scene from fucking Commando where they break into the fucking gun store and there start you fucking go. loading carts yeah, up. Exactly. But I will say, if you're going to fight fucking like tall dude from another dimension, stealing dead bodies from everywhere, are you really going to be putting on a welder's mask because you're having a flamethrower? Oh yeah, no, I, I have a homemade flamethrower. You're like, I need a welder's mask to keep it safe, guys. Yeah, watching that again as an adult, I'm like, oh, that shit's gonna blow up in your face. <laughs> yeah. But the first one, dude, the atmosphere, the score, and the colors that they use, the mm-hmm. bright, brilliant colors, like those three things are fucking amazing. I love the outside scenes where it's just black and the shit that you're supposed to see. Yeah. You know, it's like everything else is just obscured in darkness and random brush and branches. Like when the fucking tall man's t- uh, chasing Michael and stuff like that. The um the sounds they use for like the little fucking dudes, 
that fucking sound effects they use for them, mm-hmm. I don't know what that that fucking sound just works. Like it's like a weird fucking like growling, roaring sound. Oh yeah, it's like a I don't know the fucking way they did that fucking sound. It 100 percent works, and I think they use it when uh, it's towards like the end scene where actually the end of the fucking movie where tall man's still standing above him and he's mm-hmm. fucking just they grip him and pull him in that ends the fucking movie that ending alone is fucking yeah it's it. killer and then the third one then there's the third one well oh okay so the first two had actual theatrical releases right and then the third and fourth straight to video yeah the third and fourth were straight to video so yeah that that there to me, the third one kind of comes off to me like, okay, we're we're really trying to build this like mythos around the actual movies. Like, okay, so we've got the first movie, which kind of sets the sets the stage. We've got the second movie, which kind of expands on it, and you've got some character expansion. You've got some new people introduced, even though they all fucking die. Um, <laughs> you know, and you know, he's trying to go around. They're trying to save that lady's grand, that girl's grandfather, or whatever. Uh, the third one is just sort of a what the fuck is going on? <laughs> the third one is like a weird freaking mix between like a new movie and the second one. Mm-hmm. It's like for the longest time when I saw the third one is because of, because I think I kind of watch these movies a lot of them like being preoccupied either drinking or talking with somebody else or hanging out that I don't pay attention to everything. For the longest time, I seriously thought the third one was just a straight up remake of the second one. For a different audience. But it's because they have so many things that are, like, identical. And they just kind of change out characters. Yeah, it's kind of like an Evil Dead 2 sort of situation. where like the A lot of similar? Ha- the first, like, quarter of Evil Dead 2 is just basically Evil Dead 1, yeah. but without everybody else. It's like they're retelling it, but only retelling it with Bruce Campbell. Which is actually, which is actually a good segue, because I actually think that... Reggie's character in these movies is very reminiscent of like Ash in Evil Dead 2 where it's just sort of like let's just put this guy through some like cartoonish abuse let's just just totally rake this guy over some coals here yeah Reg rules though oh no he's fantastic yeah he's great he's got Uh, kind of a Seagal ponytail yeah a little bit especially in the first one oh and second one kinda yeah well, I mean, he's he's been eternally bald, but uh, he's got that that high and tight one in the back, and you know, I feel bad for the guy. He's always he's just looking to get laid. He's he's not, you know, you can tell he's kind of a passive guy. Like he doesn't really, you know, he doesn't want any trouble. He's laid back. He's cool. You know, he's hard as love. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's like he's just thrown into this situation where he's just got to be like a hero. Right. It works, though. Yeah, but it is really funny because it's like I feel bad for the guy in those movies, especially 3 and beyond. It's just like, oh, man, this guy just gets the shit kicked out of him. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he's just got to deal with it. Right. And, like, in part four where he's, like, fighting the cop and that, that like, zombie cop and he, like, shoots him and he just squirts the Taco Bell cheese in his mouth. <laughs> like, you ever notice that they bleed, like, Taco Bell cheese in those movies? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, fucking Reggie, though, you fucking look at his character. The first one, he's, like, a legit character. Like, he's just, like, basically, like, ice cream man. He's fighting the tall man or whatever. And that pretty much after that, especially, like, they started in two, is he's, like, 
like fiending for like the chicks. And anytime he comes across a girl, he's like he's like scheming to get like in her pants. And like it kind of goes full force into the third one where he like has the little kid sleep in the car so he could fucking like hook up with the chick in the hotel room. He's like, yeah, fucking let's handcuff me. Fucking get this going <laughs> on. To the bed. Yeah. It's like, all right, good night. Yeah. He's like, Poor hey, man, you're going to sleep out here, all right? It's going to be cool. <laughs> That's another thing with the third one. Like, what is going on? Speaking of a Kevin McAllister, what is what is up with the Home Alone kid? Like, it comes in. You've got Fucking the... traps and shit? Yeah, he comes in. The, the, the three bad guys where it's like the one dude is... Uh, one other movies. He's a character actor. I see him in a bunch of stuff. And uh, don't quote me on that. I'm sure horror nerds are... Like, he doesn't know Wiener Baldina or whatever that guy's name is. <laughs> you know, but... Uh, yeah, and then that other dude, the tall guy that kind of looks like Mitt Romney, and yeah. uh, and then the girl or whatever, who Reggie is, they're introduced because Reggie is, like, staring at her as she's bent over yeah. in a car. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they, like, open the door, and the kid's, like, got the mask. He looks like he's part of the brood. <laughs> he's wearing, like, that red hoodie. He's, like, running around. They got, like, total Home Alone traps in the house. Like, I remember when that scene first opened, I'm like, what am I watching? Yeah, that's like I'm saying. Like, the first two, I feel, fit fairly well together. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, after that, the third one... That's when this starts getting fucking wacky. Yeah. Where it's like, what? What's going on? Yeah, and and that's what I was saying. It's like they tried so hard to build this mythos behind, like, what the Phantasm movies were. And they tried to – I think that's what worked really well for the first one because it it left a lot of things unsaid. There was a lot of unknown. There was a lot Mm -hmm. of, like – like literally, what does the vibrations have to do? Like, like how does the, how does the tuning fork play? Like, what True is story. you know? Uh, it takes them to an alternate dimension. Like, what is yeah. that? Is that Mars? Is it is it something beyond the void? Is it uh, yeah. you know some other multi you know some other galaxy that you black hole through? Like, what is it? Why right. do they shrink them down to Jawas? Although they kind of establish that they say because of the weight of the gravity on whatever yeah. planet they're like crushing planet. Down. Yeah. yeah. And it's sort of like if these are like all encompassing, like there's some sort of like great master plan to destroy the world that they kind of like establish in the other ones. That is a really piss poor plan. Like, <laughs> what is going on? But, oh, yeah. But, uh, so, I mean, the fourth one, you, I, I, I kind of touched on it again to refresh myself. I thought the fourth one was a lot more tolerable than the, than the third one. Um, simply because, like I said, it, it was a lot of old footage that they rehashed and put in there to kind of tie it together. So it caused a lot of thinking on my part where I'm just sort of like, has this always been here? And they just didn't have the ability to create it. And so now they're trying to sort of make it come full circle. Because you know how it ties at the end in that scene where they're driving in the ice cream truck. And they're like, did you hear something? It's just the wind or whatever. Yeah, and it's him like, as a kid. It, yeah, and it's like, I remember, because a lot of that footage, like some of the stuff that you saw, that was like bonus footage stuff on the original Phantasm DVD, the MGM one that they put out. Yeah. Because I remember seeing some of that stuff. So it's like, it made me wonder, is it like, has Coscarelli kind of had this in its head? Because the third one really made it seem like we don't really know what to do with this and we're going to kind of try and tie he, it all together. He didn't have that in his head because at the when he was filming the third one, he admitted that he had no fucking clue where he would go for a script after this. 
that he said if there was a fourth one made, it was going to be strictly for fucking money. So he actually did not have that plan. He just probably worked with, we have all this fucking excess footage. We never really explained where Tall Man came from, which kind of works into the fourth one. So they kind of just hodgepodge the fucking story together. Yeah. Between, like, we want to have it be, like, where'd the tall man come from? And then use this extra footage. So I could use this extra footage. And they're kind of talking, like, how a lot of it was just, oh, it's all in, it was all in his head. Which, honestly, you guys haven't seen the fifth one, but the whole all in your head thing kind of plays into the fifth one. Oh. Mm. Yeah, Don't kinda, spoil it. Yeah. I won't even – I won't talk about it because – you we, could talk about it, probably. We spoil so much shit on this <laughs> fucking yeah, show. We, do. <laughs> we talk about Fuck movies yeah, like, okay, all right, to back. Like, like, what are you going to spoil? Like, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 or listen, something like that's that? That's like, come on, if you're listening if to this, you, haven't that, seen you it. should have already seen it. If you haven't seen it yet, then then you know what? You deserve to have it spoiled. That is sure. how we look at it. Because I'm like, the, the movies we're talking about are in the 80s. If yeah. you have not seen these movies yet... I'm sorry. I'm sorry you haven't, but we're not here to pander to the people who haven't. Yeah. Oh, one thing I want to say about part two. Um, I actually really liked that the balls in that, they had like the three. Because in the first one, it was just the one yeah. that you There's saw. There's a few in two. But in part two, they had like the three, and they were they were like different colors, and they each the did different one? things. Yeah. But then when part three and four came out, there's like a billion of them, and they're like the Swiss Army knife of like. <laughs> yeah. Like they yeah. can do it like. Yeah. like yeah. There's yeah. all sorts yeah. of shit that comes out of there. Yeah, like they're going to. They're going to fucking come at you, and they got the spikes, and they're going to drill you, but they then the they also saw. got buzz saws that come out the side. They're just going to pull out the great get the Amer- laser. Yeah, the great American challenge is going to come out, and it's just going to be like a 12-inch dildo that's just going to like fuck your face. And it, I mean, there's all sorts of shit that, that should – and then somehow they've got to be able to squeeze somebody's brain in there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. Always, that's actually the one thing – I can't remember which one it is, if it's two or three, where – I want to say it might be the end of two, maybe it's the end of three. They start working on Mike's head, whatever, drilling him. He kind of breaks free or whatever, blah blah blah. And then at the end, the tall man comes out of the fucking, comes out of the fucking his dimension. And Mike's like laying there, and he goes up to him and he pulls this fucking full ball out of the side of his fucking head, like. Where the hell did that come it's from? It's like a magician. There's scarf. no way that was like, there. Sort of like, oh, what's yeah. that behind your ear? Oh, it's a giant yeah. silver orb. Like, there's no fucking way you didn't know you had a fucking giant silver sphere in your head. <laughs> I, bet, I bet that headache's gone there, boy. Biggest <laughs> <laughs> uh, scrim. On an aside, nobody else is going to probably fucking care about this, but uh, I got to give a shout out to my roommate, Steve. My old roommate, Steve, when uh, Tim and I, like we were saying, we all lived in Lansing together. Mm-hmm. I remember we were talking about this, and uh, he was, like, trying to say Angus Scrim's name, but he couldn't remember Angus Scrim's name, so he kept calling him Martin Scrambler. <laughs> and I, seriously, Martin Scrambler is, like, the best name. I'm going to seriously <laughs> use that for some sort of bullshit that nobody knows. Martin so if Scrambler. you see some guy credited as Martin Scrambler, you're going to know that it's, like, secretly me. Sweet. <laughs> I'll keep my ear to the ground, dude. Studio guitar, Martin Scrambler. (laughs) (laughs) So one of my favorite indirectly related phantasm memories, Angus Scrim as Martin Scrambler. (laughs) Pure gold. That's fucking amazing. Uh, 
but yeah, I the Phantasm Mythos definitely uh, definitely strange. Um, I feel like I don't want to say it ruined the legacy because I don't think that's very fair. Um, I don't think it helped the legacy of the first movie. I feel like the first movie, if it was just a standalone, I feel like if they were going to expand on it, because supposedly there's uh, there's like comics, yeah, and yeah. stuff like yeah. that. The sequels <laughs> actually were initially comics. Yeah, and that's that's like to the detriment of it. Like especially part four, like they bring back the old uh, the uh, the grandmother that's the fortune teller or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like they bring her back briefly, and they they make. Uh, they make Angus Scrim. He's like, oh, I'm Jebediah Morningside. Did you come from like, the, the thing? Like, I can't yeah, remember it now. Like, Did you come from here? Like, blah, blah, blah. It's like, fuck, <laughs> come here to deliver me my sass. And Jody's like a fucking spirit, like, guiding him through. Like, yeah. He can't see you, Michael, because Michael tries fucking stabbing him before he goes through, like in the old times. <laughs> Whack him with the pitchfork. He's like, I'll get him when he pitch tuner. He's like, I'll get him when he comes back. He's like, no, he never comes back. And it's basically like you leave, like once uh, Gemini, whatever the fuck his name is, goes through into the other dimension. The person who comes back, that's not the same fucking person. That's that's basically what triggers and nah. starts Tall Man. He leaves Martin Scrambler and comes back Angus Scrambler. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's how it is, man. You're, he had it right the whole time. <laughs> but yeah. Um, we want to thank Mike. Oh, are did, we done here? I think we t- we did. We touch on everything. We don't. You didn't want me to ruin five, so I'm not ruining. Yeah, five. don't ruin five for me. I'm still gonna. I'm, I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna rent it. We'll give a shout out. I, I live next to. Uh, are you familiar with Video Exclusive? Either of you guys? I yes. drove past it a few times. Yeah, it's over there on uh, Yellow Sign. Telegraph. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I gotta give a shout out to that place. It, it's honestly like one of the only mom and pop shops still around in in oh, like yeah. at least in my area. Pretty big over there too. On the west side. Oh yeah, no, the guy that works there. Uh, I don't. I don't know him personally. My old roommate Kelly used to know him, but. Uh, yeah, that dude keeps up on it. I mean, he keeps the massacre shit in stock. He keeps really? a lot of he keeps yeah. massacre in stock. Yeah, you could go and rent all that shit. I mean, they oh yeah, they really do try and keep a good cult section going. There, there's a lot of good TV stuff. So, I mean, if you're in the Michigan area and you actually do still feel like renting movies instead of just Netflix and chill or whatever the fuck, you know. I mean, I I will gladly give those guys an endorsement. Go and get a fucking cool. membership to that place. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> no VHS. It's all DVD yeah. at this point. I'll but, support uh, anyone that actually supports, like, Massacre Video and, like, small yeah. companies like that. That's, mm-hmm. uh, well, that, that was the whole thing. Like, to watch four, I was like, who the fuck's going to have this? Oh, I'll just go over there. They still have it. You know, sure. they have it. They had five, too. But I was like, there's no fucking way I could watch this in time. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. That's awesome. But uh, dude, I do want to say I want to bring this up because to me this is funny. One of the first times I met you, well, I met you through Evan. Yeah, and I went to like when you live with James and Kelly, and we're hanging out over there, and that's when I first met you. Mm-hmm. It was very briefly, and then it was like, two- and we made you watch Samurai Cop, which was amazing. <laughs> and they just viewed that at uh. Vault of Midnight, I think, just did a viewing of that. Mm-hmm. And people started giving me shit because I in the event page I was like, I want to go to this. And people were like, That fucking movie's horrible. I'm like, that movie's like amazing. Oh, <laughs> but Dermadurasian. Yeah. <laughs> but it was like it still didn't really I didn't know you, like first time I met you. Mm-hmm. I go to see Zombie in Royal Oak and sit right behind you 
but don't realize that it's you. But the whole time I'm in there, I'm like, I'm pretty sure I know him. I think that's Jason's roommate. I'm like, but I don't know him well enough. I don't, I don't want to be that guy who says something and it's not him. Like, because I'm super fucking socially awkward in a way. Oh, yeah, so am I. So then I think it was God. like a month after that, we're at like House Again and you live James and Kelly and you're like, I brought it up and you're like, that was you. I thought I saw you too. <laughs> like, it didn't say anything. Yeah, I was there with my buddy Dave. And uh, yeah, that was like a that was like a mystery science theater session gone bad. <laughs> oh, everybody was fucking talking during that, man. I had a conversation about the fucking uh, my favorite Blind my- Dead trilogy going on about these girls back here talking that they're chatting my ear off. I wasn't even in part of the conversation. I just all I heard <laughs> half of the movie. I I distinctly remember watching that, and probably the biggest laugh out loud moment was. When they shot the zombie that had the afro that was in the bag, like towards the end, and somebody just goes, "No, not Phil Lynott." <laughs> oh hell no! Shut the fuck up! <laughs> Gold, dude. <laughs> I think when I left that, they because uh, Main Arts makes their own posters for some of those movies, and they'll have them hanging up. They were showing um, Human Centipede 2, which is like a super dark movie. And they made the most like... It's not a comedy? Not at all. I mean, maybe. <laughs> the poster made it look like it was. <laughs> the poster's like super upbeat. It's pink. It has like unicorns and shit. And I stole it off the wall when I walked out. And I'm oh, pretty dude, sure the person awesome. at the concession stand knew I had it. Because I gripped it off the wall, rolled up, and shoved it in my sleeve and just started walking out. And the person at the concession stand, the whole time out the door, was just staring at me. Oh, I'm sure those and people are like, paid enough to care. I know. I'm just like, <laughs> hey, see you guys later. <laughs> Don't have me. I just got Frankenstein arm. <laughs> Stiff as a board. Still have it. Want to frame it just because of how fucking like, black and white it is to the movie. Like... This is the most uplifting poster for the darkest fucking movie. I still haven't seen any of that human centipede stuff. The first Check one's like the first one's is what it is. Like it's like, uh, whatever. It has a story behind it. Doctor who wants to make the human centipede type of thing. The second one is just like, let's get fucking dark. The second one is dark. Yes. I actually had to force myself to sit through it, so has like a fucking uh, th- this lady who escapes who is pregnant. Like darker than sewing a bunch of people together in like a compromising ass to mouth situation. Well, take that aspect, <laughs> yeah, and add it to the take that aspect and then like well, put Christian death on it. There's still that aspect because that's still what's going on in the second one. But one of the chicks who's pregnant escapes and she's like going to drive away and she has the baby while she's in the car and it goes under the gas pedal and she stomps on the gas pedal and crushes the newborn baby's head. Oh, jeez. Like, it gets fucking grim. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I got that post. It's like, <laughs> it's like, take that human centipede and just give everyone a silencer shirt. Well, there's a third. There's a third one that takes place in a prison. And it's supposed to be like 500 people long or something like that. I didn't even watch it. <laughs> the warden is in this one. The, I think it's the warden that sets it up, and it's like 500 people long. <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, it, it was like it, they, they went from like a fucked up series to wow, we took this really far real quick within two movies. <laughs> Worth a watch. Worth a watch. <laughs> it's a human centipede highway. <laughs> 
Yeah, I haven't seen the third one, but I the just, mayor of San Francisco opened it. up the carpool lane, and he just kind of sent this human centipede train going all the way down. We just want to see how far we can make this. It's pretty bad. <laughs> That's like the punishment for if you like, you know, the people that are in the carpool lane that like put the mannequins in the seat. Yeah. Like you get busted in the carpool lane. You got to get sewn, in, sewn into some se- guy's asshole <laughs> in this human A new segment gets added. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, guys. I think we're going to end on that, on that yeah. note. Thank you guys, though. This was fun. Thank you guys for having me. I, I hope... I hope to be able to come back and do another one. Absolutely, yeah, man. Dude. Absolutely. Hopefully, I didn't come off like too much of a dumb Absolutely ass. not, dude. You feel like there's times where we just like we've had like 45 minute episodes because we're just kind of like, well, conversation ends. Let's just go into this, and then the conversation ends. Let's end the fucking show. You carried us through, Mike. Yeah, you did. I dug it. Do we ever establish the most underrated band? Sauron. You said Sauron. Sauron. We did. Okay. Which I I actually agree with you because and Reaper. Your old dude. Your old band played with Sauron way back in the day. Yeah. You gave one of the dudes from Sauron like an Iron Maiden backpack. I did. Yeah, the guitar player. Yeah, yeah Victor. Locked, yeah, back in like 2003 or 2004. I remember when oh, I yeah. first met you and I said something about going to see a show and Sauron was on the bill. You're like, wait. They're still playing shows. I couldn't believe it. They're never going away. And I'm like, fuck no, yeah, they, they fucking are. rule too. <laughs> I love them. Yeah, me too. So but, yeah, uh, so what did we establish? Watch the first Phantasm. Uh, listen to Sauron. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I think there was more in there, but you know, <laughs> don't watch the rest of the Phantasm. <laughs> So, yeah. Don't watch past two for the most no. part. Yeah, I I give two a buy. I think two's all right. I'll give two. A, I give two a pass. I feel it's like a decent sequel to the first one. I think what hindered it was it being a studio film. It's a yeah. It's a sequel that didn't need to be made, but um, got Castorelli out there as a standalone movie. It's all right, but then after that, like I said, the mythos thing and just the randomness of those movies. It it. It kind of derails it a little bit. I think it the takes randomness away. works a lot in the first one. Yes. The way they did in the first one, it fucking works 100%. And I will defend that one to my death. Oh, yeah. No, but it as still it went on, they, one of my favorites. They so. kept the randomness as it went on, and it just did not. It's almost like as you're watching, you're like, wait, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> if you like look at your phone for like two minutes, you look up, you're like, wait, what is this? Confusing. Yes. yes. Exactly. A bit. But on, on that same note, I will still defend just Phantasm as a whole. So if somebody asks me, like, what do you want, Phantasm, what should I watch? I'll probably tell them, just fucking watch them all. Don't expect much after two. <laughs> yeah. Just take the day off work. <laughs> yeah. That is a good movie to just seriously veg out on the couch to because you're going to be like, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> That's why. That's what I was saying before we were. I was watching the first one, and I was like, you know, I'm gonna revisit this. I gotta do this podcast. I'm gonna. I'm gonna refamiliarize myself. Got to that part where they started playing the guitar, and I was just like, <laughs> fucking couch. I want to say the dude who played Jody wrote that song. Yeah. Oh, uh, are you guys familiar with the band Crom, the the L.A. band? Crom. 
Yeah, Crom. They have this album, Hot Sumerian Nights, where I they do. sample that. I do. Like they have a know they have band. a song where the entire sample before it is just the do 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 do, and they're going through playing the song, and then when it just goes to the ugh, and they get it, and then it goes into the song oh, that they that's wrote. Amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, probably right. one of the best. They also sample that uh, that HR like uh, Bad Brains Quickness album, where he's just like in the beginning of it, like probably that. Album, we listened to that a lot actually back in the day around like the Witch Tannic Hallucinations era when uh, I was doing the Lansing thing. We listened to that album a hell of a lot. <laughs> it probably, probably one of the top tier as far as ridiculous sampling, but yeah, I, I don't know of any other band that has sampled that song from Fantasy. Me either. I can't name one. I don't know anybody who samples that. I know people like uh, who was it, Entombed sampled the. Yeah, they the sampled the actual like yeah, the but line I don't know for yeah, yeah, I don't know anybody who sampled left hand path, the fucking like after midnight or whatever the fuck that song's called. Yeah, sitting here at midnight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you give me a guitar, I could probably play it. If you're left-handed, I got guitars. Oh yeah, that's right. You're a southpaw. Yeah. Okay, we should probably wrap this up. Though. <laughs> I think we've tried like four times to do this. All right, this is the final, the final wrap up. Want to thank again, uh, Mike, for being on first yeah. co-host. I think. Uh, Thanks, man. No, thank you. This was a lot of fun. I, I appreciate you guys asking me to do this. I think this was a successful first run with a co-host. Yeah, me too, man. Fucking went over well. Yep. And uh, yeah, man. Thank you. Cool. Everybody else. Uh, Signing off. Keep drinking. Whatever. See you guys next week. Later on. <laughs>